Hi, I'm Joe Lynch, director of such cinematic classics as Wrong Turn 2, Knights of Badastum, Everly, and of course the new film, Mayhem. And when I'm not masturbating to Sasquatch porn, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Ooh, it feels so good. In and out of your consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from. This is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that would have totally been a regular viewer of 100% cotton. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're straightening out our bangs as we delve even deeper into the mouth of March Madness as we welcome two of our favorite horror pods to help us talk the surviving horror classics from our 2000 bracket. And you don't have to be part of the Hollywood elite to listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your millennium hole. And if you are out wandering on the social media, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Nightmare Junk, and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on the Book of Face where we have that little event tab, which does lead to shenanigans. And as this episode will be releasing on Friday, March 20th, the very next Monday on March 23rd, mm-hmm. here at Screenland Tapcade. Woo! I'm excited for this one! We're going to be able to, you know, answer the immortal question of what's in the basket. Mm-hmm. And we, we've talked Hen and Lauder already with the Hen and Lauder hoedown. We are going to be looking and t- uh, we're going to be viewing the original Frank Hen and Lauder classic, Basket Case. Yes. Which. It's been a while since I've seen it on the big screen. I have not seen that on the big screen. Ah, it means Belial. There's just something to be seen on there. And but don't also we have on the Monday, March 23rd, we have a Monday mystery movie night, and that's a horror one. No, that'll be the week beforehand. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't <laughs> worry. We're your uh, the, the enthusiasm is appreciated, but yeah, we're good on that end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But then on the 24th there, as a Tuesday, uh, you know, if it's a Tuesday, I'll be at the Draft House. We're going to be looking at, they always talk about squad goals, uh, but we're going to be viewing the original Monster Squad. Ooh. Oh, great. That's always a good one. Are you going to wear your Stephen King rule shirt? Of course I'm going to wear my Stephen King rule shirt. fucking better, dude. Uh, if anything, I'm on brand, but more importantly, consistent. <laughs> but then better. make sure to save your energy because then the end of April, Kansas City Horror Club, what do they got going on? On April 25th. Pull out your bell bottoms and your like best disco shoes. Disco of the Dead at Big Rip Brewing Company. It's going to be a 70s and 80s costume-themed disco dance, and proceeds are going to go to the Walking and Rolling Foundation. Tickets are available at a website that will be up on all the different socials at the Kansas City Horror Club. They're $25. It's going to be so much fucking fun. I cannot wait to shake my ass. It's going to be so good. There's going to be costume contests. Um, there's going to be like a food truck. There's going to be like drink specials. And it's at Big Rips, you know it's going to be a good time. And I've said it once and I'll say it again. You are the big Van Vader of the horror dancing clique because you are surprisingly nimble for a man your size. So I like to get down. I, I'm going to be Kansas City Boogeyman one day, one way or the other. So Kansas City Horror Club Disco of the Dead. It's going to be the fucking shit. I cannot wait. And make sure just uh, check the events tab on Facebook. And of course it is on all social media. We do have our bracket because it is indeed March Madness. Uh-huh. And you can't play unless you're playing along at home. So if you are sending in your results, make sure you're showing your work. Yep. Post it on all social media. Mm-hmm. 
everywhere you can. Like, like yeah, seriously, play along. It's a lot of fun. And again, show your work. Don't say, eh, this one because it's good. Why? So. Well, speaking of showing their work, uh, one of the things I do love as we go into the shit. round of the screams, you are a mess right now, I man. I know, I'm just dropping all kinds of shit. <laughs> we, we I, need, I haven't even got squiddly diddly yet. We, we need our guests to like give him a little, put some some calm on his vibe there. And <laughs> good as, luck. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Well, as I was mentioned, I love the, the round of the Scream 16 because we get to invite um, our good friends here. And as G Genius Miggy was mentioning, showing their work, uh, what well, we do that here in the uh, Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. But ultimately, our next guests here are all about showing the work because as non-biased and as academic as we try to make this whole tournament, uh, we love when we bring in guests that can do the same thing, but are infinitely more intelligent than we are. Right, who speaks who speaks better than we does. Yes, they cannot speak a good like we do. Right. <laughs> and thankfully, we're able to, again, stay local here, uh, promoting all good things local, but definitely one of my favorite horror podcasts, especially with the academic bent. Please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead from the horror pod class, Oren Gray and Ty Lonsell. Hey, hey, how's it going? Thanks for having us. Yeah. Well, thanks for, you know, putting up with him for right now. He was a, <laughs> my three take early, you know, the other day was now that right there. So I'm the class clown. You big like, dunce. I know. I was going to say I'm in the corner with the dunce hat like. I am like they're fucking banging erasers. Do they even do that anymore? Like fucking bang erasers and shit? I don't think I mean, so. They probably all have like whiteboards now, yeah, right? right. I, mean, I mean, they could do that, but that'd be even weirder. Yeah, I, I had buckets of erasers, man. I have buckets of erasers. They brought him from other schools for my ass. <laughs> nah, probably... man, you're the cool kid that we like now, you know, that yeah. uh, has something to say and likes scary movies. You're the, yeah, you're the guy yeah. we call on. You have a past, my friend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we truly get into the madness, uh, tell our listeners where can they find you all out on the social media. Please plug and promote away. Sure. Uh, you can find us at uh, The Horror Pod Glass, uh, both on Facebook and uh, on Twitter. But uh, we kind of store everything at our home website, which is SignalHorizon.com. Uh, the kind of reason that that exists is because uh, we know lots of teachers. I'm a teacher, and uh, we want to meet kids where, we're, where they're at. And we know they watch scary movies, and they like it as much as we do. So we hope that the Horror Pod class uh, is a way that other teachers can you know, meet, meet their students uh, in the medium that they like so much. So, and Orin slums it a lot with me. So <laughs> he's way more talented and knows a way more about genre stuff. So I'll let him uh, promote his stuff. Well, but I, I don't know how to, you know, mix sound files and things. So actually I'm, <laughs> I'm using you job. for yeah. this. I mean, that's fair. it's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate that. <laughs> now I'm i uh, I'm a writer. Uh, I'm not an educator, but you know, I try and say smart things um, when I can. And uh, I'm happy to be on the Horror Pod Class with Tyler, and uh, you can find my stuff at Orin Gray on you know Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or OrinGray.com. Perfect. And what's great is we've been lucky enough to have you on before. Uh, go back to our Hellboy episode <laughs> with Orin, and then uh, Tyler has also been on. In fact, it was last year's Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. Mm -hmm. So it's always good when we can bring you guys together like this, and then ultimately even better now the fact that. The horror pod class itself has pretty much become you guys right now, yeah, yeah. which is even better. Which yeah, I it's once I heard Oren a few times, I'm like, hey, wait a minute here. What are they pulling? <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? So, I mean, you know, with G Genius and I, we've you know, going on 
more than five years now? Yeah, five, six years at least. You know, but a lot of people always assume we've been lifelong friends, but it was just our love of horror and just that kind of mm-hmm. natural chemistry. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious, how long have you guys known each other? Yeah, it's going on a good two years, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah so um, we got a copy of uh, Year's Best Horror, and we re- reviewed it for the website, and one of the stories that I singled out, I think on, on the podcast that I really liked, was the story about this kind of renovated old theater that is like a little cosmically weird, a little big W weird, and I was like, I love this story by this guy named Oren Gray, right? And... Uh, he sent um, a, either a direct message or an email. I was like, hey, man, I know you're in Kansas City. I live in Olathe. We should totally go <laughs> grab a drink. I was like, no shit. So uh, you, I did an interview for the website. And then. Uh, yeah, I think the way I figured out that you lived in Kansas City was actually that because um, you mentioned the Screenland. And yeah. when you were talking about yes, the theater yeah. in, the, in the story, you were like, it reminds me of the Screenland. I'm like, wait. <laughs> How many of those are there? No, I need to ask you, Tyler, did you think he was actually a skeleton? Before you met him, because that's the only right. way I knew of Oren. Yeah, right. Like, like that was the only publicity photo I could tell. And, and I think he introduced himself as like this really tall guy. And I was like, God damn, I'm going to show up and he's going to have like a top hat on. And, you know, like <laughs> this is going to be fucking terrifying, but awesome. I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was more or less that. Now, uh, I think uh, he was exactly as you would picture somebody that had flesh over a skeleton. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. But uh, I think it was very soon after that that we were like, oh, we like the same yeah. types of movies. And then we really, we bonded, I think. Um, we drove out to the Weird Symposium to Atlanta uh, overnight, all in one setting. Oh, wow. And, like, it, it, it was bonkers and nuts. And I felt like, it, in its own way, a scary movie. And I barely it, remember it. Yeah, me too. It, it was like a bad was, or a good I was, trip. I, I don't know. I was awake for like 38 hours yeah. or something oh, straight. I don't yeah. I don't really remember it. Like the rest last restroom stopped, like the tile started to move and I was like, "Oh shit, we got to we got to get wherever we're going cuz this is not wonderful." I didn't tell him that until later. Good, Are you yeah. sure this wasn't in Hobbs End? I mean, ah, right. my goodness. Yeah, it felt like we passed through it uh, you, at the very least. Did you keep passing by that kid on the bicycle? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. like, do you see that guy? I don't know. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's really funny because ultimately, be, and I think a theme throughout this whole tournament is, number one, it's fun to talk about the films, but number two, I love the fact that because of this podcast, I've grown my number of you know friends at this point, which is amazing. And the older you get, the harder it is oh, to yeah. actually make yeah. friends, mm-hmm. and through the podcast and just through people talking and the fact that we've been able to cross-pollinate as it is, yeah. it's really cool. And I love the fact that Kansas City now has this really nifty little podcast scene. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds... I don't want that to sound pretentious, no, it's but it's great. just no, we got a lot of so. just nerdy people that yep. come together. And what I love with your your academic bent is, do you actually put this out as more like a lesson plan? Yeah, like uh, we always have an essential question that we hope to steer the conversation around. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are a number of you know teachers like me. I teach a big class to high school students in the summer called Monsters One Hundred and One. That's all about uh, like being a film critic, but also critical thinking. And I always keep that in the back of my mind. Like, how how can we? How can a teacher that really likes scary movies maybe show a clip or two? Maybe not the whole movie. Right, I right. get that not every administration <laughs> would be down for that. But you know, like uh, I think there is something to be gained in, in being able to have a conversation with our kids in a, in a, the relatively safe environment of horror movies. Absolutely. So, you know. I know I would pay attention to class more if I know that there's going to be clips of like Phantasm. Yeah, you know, you know? 
how to sell ice cream. Right. <laughs> you can do a macroeconomics course. Right. Built physics on like spheres traveling through the air. Right. I mean, yeah, right. this is all shit. Can, if a sphere is going through the hallway at 25 <laughs> exactly. miles an hour. Exactly. Right? And another sphere the is The physics coming. of phantasm. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you guys just created a class. I, you, got, you got a good grade, boy. <laughs> <laughs> With Orrin Gray as the tall man, actually, ah, it, it works. You know, it does come it full <laughs> spherical, I guess, as it is. But no, ultimately, I'm so happy to not only have you as part of the film family, but also as friends. So thank you for taking the time out. Oh yeah, you happy know, to, to participate in this. Yeah, yeah no, it's always always a yeah. good time on that. So we are looking at four films from the year. From the year 2000. Oh, here the comes the karaoke. <laughs> Maybe the only time we'll do... No, of course. No, it's not going to be the only time we do it. It's not going to be the only time. But we do have four films from the year 2000 that... The year 2000! (laughs) 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 This spray bottle. Uh, No, we're getting the cattle prod out for this, my friend. It is madness. Um, Four films that are kind of totally different. In fact, each individual one, I think, no matter how you pair them, would play weirdly. Uh, But we can only two can advance, so we're going to look at four films from the year 2000! The year 2000! And we're going to start with our first matchup here. We have a Wes Craven classic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> going right. up with what I mistakenly programmed, what I thought was the original grudge. It, which w- it actually is technically the original yeah. grudge. <laughs> yeah. We so. do have Scream 3 going against Juan the, the Curse. Curse. Lay it to you gentlemen here. Which one do we talk first? Well, uh, I've saw Scream Three, the most recent. I caught that uh, to prepare for tonight, or yeah, tonight I caught it last night, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, um, I, it hadn't aged overly well. <laughs> did <laughs> any of you? Fun. Did any of you see it in the theater? I am Maybe? sure. Yeah, I'm Maybe? sure I did. Maybe? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm sure I did because I saw all those movies. Right. <laughs> like, and that's what's funny. Around this time, I realized that was the time I was seeing more of these in the theater, yeah. but. This one, yeah, yeah. It's, it's derived, I know, online by a lot of people. So the weird, yeah. the weird thing about it, it aging not as well is that it actually aged into a movie that feels like it's from now, because it feels like a Me Too movie. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's explicitly totally about Harvey Weinstein. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. It's about this thinly veiled Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Like, and given the day that we're recording here, exactly. if we want to timestamp yeah. it, he yeah. is now a charged rapist. Yep. So... That's what we mentioned in the first round, um, because this one paired with Cherry Falls, just mm-hmm. two films from, again, 20 years ago that now... Still prescient more than ever. Yeah. yeah. So do you think, though, is this something then, again, not necessarily aging badly, but does it really timestamp everything? Uh, I mean, I, d- I don't think now, you know, it, it, you're ever going to be able to associate it with anything other than the Weinstein stuff. Yeah. So, and I mean, given that it is a Weinstein film. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, uh, I think for it's like themes and it's, it's uh, political reference and, you know, that kind of stuff, I think it will remain important or at least remain in the dialogue. Uh, maybe the reasons why I don't like it are a lot more, I don't know, structural. Well, yeah, it's not, it's it's, it's it's not a good movie. (laughs) I'll I'll go ahead and say it. It's not, it's like, it's certainly the worst of the scream. It it is rough. It really is. It's a mess. It, it has a bunch of good ideas, but man, they're scattershot yeah. in a bunch of bad ideas. And, and I think it doesn't help. Uh, I really enjoyed the second one. Uh, yeah. I, I thought it was kind of funny, mm-hmm. and I love that they bring the kind of metatextual element even further. 
And then the fourth one is a goddamn hoot. Yeah, the right? fourth, the fourth, really one, like is, the fourth, the fourth one. one is legit yeah. my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, it is ooh, actually my favorite. I like that. Wow. Yeah. So. so, like, it doesn't help that it's bookended by these movies that, you know, are pretty good. You yeah. Know? The, the rest of the series is, is all solid, and this one is not, not. as solid. Yeah. So, yeah. do we chalk it up to the fact that. <laughs> too much Parker Posey. No. no. Not, not enough Parker Posey. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no such thing. Not enough Parker Posey and Parker Posey and Patrick Warburton. Not enough of them. So good. Them, her, that embrace, <laughs> just the pickup, yeah. perfect. It's so good. I, I really enjoyed the set piece where, and here's my issue. They're, sh- they're, on the, they're on the set of Stab 3, correct? Yeah. But they're using the set from the original Scream. Wouldn't that have been Stab 1 or the first Stab, technically? Well, so I think it was supposed to be like coming full circle or right, something. Right. something. Yeah. Maybe Stab 3 is the prequel. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, the, the yeah. Stab Origins. Ooh, the, yeah. Yeah. Stab comes home. Yeah. Ghost face. Yeah. Just simply ghost, ghost face. face. Uh huh. That's the reboot. I don't know. It just seemed too like all over the place. Yeah, like it was absolutely. Go- it was goofy when it shouldn't be, and yeah. it was. But here's the thing: when it came down to the scares, there was some legit good scares. Ghostface yeah. was a good like raw, like a good presence in this. But it was just too much comedy that just like yeah. didn't land. Yeah. Well, and like as good as the themes of its story were, especially now. It didn't sell its actual like plot reveal very well. Where like, uh, where yeah, like, oh, yeah. it turns out it was a super villain who was manipulating the whole series. Yeah, all that you know, whatever. And it's like that's that's a lot. That's... Well, the fact that they then have to shoehorn Randy back in to not only tell you the rules of now a trilogy, right. but also it is a course correction, which is so weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't think this we didn't we didn't need a Scream Three, did we? Probably no. not. But yeah. it led to Scream Four. It true. did. True. I mean, true. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Like, Scream 4 seems to understand how to undercut itself, like, how right. to subvert your expectations, whereas three, Scream 3 doesn't seem to understand how to. It wants to, yeah. but it just tries to do it by saying, ha, 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 and that's it. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> yeah. It, You know what? Scream 4 had time to breathe. Right. It, it was a whine that actually yeah. you let it... Because, yeah, I think this just Scream 3 was so rushed. Scream 1 was a wink. Scream 2 was a wink and then, like, a... Right? And Scream 3 was like, hey! Yes, yeah, 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 and I mean it was a different writer, right? Because it was Aaron Kruger. Yes, it was instead of Ken Williamson, and so I mean, there's that, and yeah, and like, and it it broke the pattern because there's only one killer, right? Yeah, and so yeah. And Roman the director. Also, that's spoilers, right? Twenty year old film, right? Also, also, I think I think that they also break the rules because I think at least one point uh, Ghostface is in two places at once, even though there's not two of them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and well, then, which was always Ghostface's superpower, right? Was course. that he could be in two places at once because he was more than one person, right? Um, and, and as much as we started the conversation about Harvey Weinstein, right? Yeah. Like the fact that they introduce this character who's very clearly a scumbag, yes. right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. then they don't make him the villain. In some ways, you know, yeah. they they are. Uh, what tacitly telling him, telling us, no, that's he's a Hollywood villain, but we don't need to worry about him, you know. Right, like, yeah. and that 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 part has yeah. probably not aged super well. No, well, and like, I feel like naming the naming the director Roman when your yeah, movie is a about on the nose. sexual assault yeah, is yeah. weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's rough. You you need to sell that a little better. That's <laughs> <laughs> there's meta, and then they're just crushing you over the head. You know <laughs> what was Hendrix's name in the movie? The producer, he to the M debug. Was it Harvey? I mean, was it like? <laughs> well, you know, when they had Roger Corman, Harvey in a bit Winstein, part there? Yeah. instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please well, don't see. sue us. Right, right, right yeah. yeah. 
Let's see here. So um, let us go to Happy Henriksen, Scream 3. He he has no name in the Imdaba. No shit. <laughs> ah. Did he, was he scrubbed? Was there yeah, actually yeah. something on that? Ooh, that's creepy. That's weird. Huh. That is weird. Scream 3 conspiracy. Ooh, now, he maybe. has to have a name. Like, they have to say his name yeah, at some point. Right. I, right. Just, I just watched I just it and I can't I know, remember. I can't remember. I mean, I'm old, but... There's no name there, right? Like my eyesight a, isn't yeah, deceiving me. This is some right. men in black shit, right? right? Like uh, somebody's come in and like yeah. maybe you say maybe someone today at the Harvey Weinstein company was like go through all the movies, <laughs> right? Take because like this movie is calling us out, you know. So so yeah, you know if anything potentially. I, I mean, it is part, it is one of his films, so you never know. You never, you never know. know. Um, Courtney Cox's bangs. Woof. Woof. Oh, oh, not a fan. Not a fan. Uh, I mean, that whole like here's the here's Courtney Cox's downfall in this movie. When you have to act opposite Parker Posey's comedic timing, it makes like because she is hilarious and playing she's, you. Right. Right. Like you got no chance, man. Like you know, yeah. you should you should just buckle up and be like, all right, this, yeah. is, good. this is Parker Posey's ride, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on board. Though. She was raised with the Christopher Guest. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. There we go. Well, you, she, didn't, you didn't do Christopher Guest until after French, right? So like, <laughs> well, and the thing is, she plays this kind of. Weird horror movie character, and then she's what, like in Blade Three, I think, yeah. as uh, uh-huh. and uh-huh. she's great. She's funny in that too, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I don't know. oh no, Blade, no, no, I like her in Blade Three, but yeah, man, that she's movie great itself. in Blade Three, but dude, the rest of Blade Three, yeah, is... there's a few problematic things in Blade Three, which is in and of itself with Wesley, which I don't two understand. Is the fucking shit, Blade Two is we'll see, it suffers the... from the you know, Scream Three knows a good Blade Three, maybe knows there's so a good. maybe yeah. there's a trilogy, maybe maybe we're it's so meta. That's something we don't realize. Though, like the trilogy. It's bad on purpose. Right. right. We we're going to make the shittiest movie. and it's We're going to be the season of The Witch of the Scream series. <laughs> Which, hey, if only no, they had I been. Think, like, if well, only yeah. they had been. Uh, well, do you think now because of this issue, this is something that people will now come back around to and it will become maybe a fan favorite? Like, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? No. You got to. No. no, you can't even wait Because the fourth movie's cock blocking it, right? Yeah. Right. Like, uh, there's like, no well, way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, because well, like, the thing about season of The Witch is that what made it a failure was that it was so different. Of, yeah. But what makes three a failure is that it's so the same. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's not doing anything interesting. It's trying, yeah. but it's stepping all over itself trying to also be the original still. Yeah. And trying to be too funny at the same yeah. time. Right. Yeah. Like it's too it's, jokey and it doesn't know where to put it. Yeah. And like we're like when they reintroduce Randy, they like introduce this sister out of the blue yeah, right, that right, everyone yeah. has to awkwardly pretend is someone oh, they yeah. know. Yeah, oh yes, this is so and so. Right, yeah. right. And like it's, it's uh, so I've been. This is this is gonna be way off brand. I've been rewatching Golden Girls <laughs> with my wife. Awesome. That's um, why we have them on the podcast, right? folks. <laughs> um, but there's this there's this one episode in Golden Girls, which is like among Golden Girls fans, infamously the worst episode where they try and spin off a separate show. Golden Palace. No, um, Empty Nesters. Is the I show. liked Empty Nest because it had Joey Zuzu and it had uh, Jerry. Or- was it Jerry? Not Jerry Orbach. But yeah, uh, yeah like with the, the doctor. Soap. Yes, the doctor yeah. was the so so the way they do it though is they introduce all the characters from Empty Nesters and everyone on the show pretends like they've always known that them and they act like right. you should have always known them and that's exactly <laughs> what happens with with Randy's sister. It's like oh this is so and so you remember her right audience? It's like no we don't actually. <laughs> Because they even pulled an old man Carruthers and like, oh, Julie's here. Like, oh, okay. Like, hey, Julie. Oh, hey, uh, remember me? And then I think they're like, who's this? Randy's Randy's sister. sister. Oh. Oh, 
it's like cousin oliver it's so it's such awkward writing (laughs) yeah it's again it does suffer from a rushed production i think they were constantly just going through script changes to the point where like in the film the movie within the movie it gets shut down I'm pretty sure at one point Scream Three got shut down at a few. Probably. So it's just like so. Is this yeah. like the Law and Order of uh, <laughs> horror movies? Because it's like based in real life, ripped from the headlines. I get meta, meta, meta. Maybe yeah. just ultimately it's, it's going to eat itself. It's too meta. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which yeah. it's the hallmark the of a Scream that movie. Devours its tails. Yeah, I mean, I, but I, I feel bad because I'm being kind of mean to it because it's terrible. But. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like it, it but does, not that but it does, it does end in like a, a chase to an old dark house in like a Hollywood mansion, which yeah. I have to at least yeah. kind of like, like yeah. good ambiance, right? Like I love, I love old dark mansions it, and Hollywood. It felt a little Scooby Doo, evil, it, and I mean that in a yeah. positive way. Yeah. You know, like I'm telling, like there's like a secret bookcase, and you know, yeah. I'm like, all right, yeah. all right, like that's about the only thing the Scream franchise was missing is just them going crossing yeah. back right. with Matthew Lillard. <laughs> You I had mean, the Scooby Doo right yeah. there, and you had the old man Carruthers. Right, you, had, you actually had. They should Daphne. have revealed. They should have revealed at the end that he was actually the Roman. That like he pulled a mask Another off. Mask off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I survived the first movie after all. Feeling <laughs> <laughs> losey again, guys. <laughs> I don't think we appreciate Matthew Lillard no. enough. Oh, yeah. he's so Definitely great. I haven't recently great. had a chance. I got to see him up uh, on Hackers. Had a chance to see that up oh, on the yeah. big screen and. He's so, oh, he he's the ru- force of nature. He runs like a company now that makes prestige like gaming stuff for D anD D, which yeah, is so him. That's him. Like, <laughs> he was he was That's oddly on like a like an hour long drama on NBC a year or two ago, and he played like a middle aged dad, and it was Did he play so well? like I mean I guess right. I don't know. But was, was it, it was it was it alarming to see him? Yes, okay. right. Because I'm like holy shit. I woke a, up it was one like day. a comedy, wasn't yeah. it? Where he was like all oh, happy. I'm not. I'm right. Matthew <laughs> Matthew Lillard, goofy. the father. You know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, I woke up. Because he's like my age, right? And yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. I woke up in like, uh, you know, an hour-long NBC comedy as the main guy. Maybe you can like Ugh. track your life on how, like the scale of this, Matthew Little. Like yeah. what Matthew Little are you feeling? It's 100% today? Like, true. I was shaggy, shaggy at one point. Right? Yeah, yeah. Serial <laughs> right. killer. Right. You get, yeah, you, get, you go all the full range there. <laughs> well, ultimately, let's go from a Wes Craven Classic to a one that was a first timer for me, ultimately, which me was too. a really me. oh good, good. I'm anxious to hear your thoughts. Then uh, let's just jump right into it. Uh, Jew on the curse, Tyler Oren. What'd you guys think? Um, so I'd seen uh, I had seen the other yep. various Jew ons, <laughs> the, the the movie that uh, Takashi Shimizu has made like six times now. I had seen the other five times he had made it. I hadn't seen this one. Um, and I love all of them. Like I love, I love his stuff and I love these movies. Um, and I loved this one kind of for the reasons that it's different from the others in that it was like super low budget and clearly made for TV and like shot on video or very close to it. And it had this, so all of his movies have these fractured chronologies, right? Like all, all, all of this, all the grudge movies, they don't take place in, in chronological order. And that gives them this kind of weird feeling that makes them feel like you're watching something true. Yeah. To some extent. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> That's unsettling. In this mm-hmm. case, like, the, the like, everything looked like a, like, Unsolved Mysteries reenactment of something. And so it, it heightened that sense, like, I'm watching something that's, like, a new story about, oh, there's this spooky house in this yeah. town in Tokyo or whatever. And right. I kind of loved that. Like, it oh. really worked for me. Yeah. 
it's it's uh to go along with that it's foley work is really oh. at the front right yeah. as yeah. opposed and so it only adds to that like dis yes the oh. disconcerting oh. feeling that yeah. like holy shit is everybody hearing this or you know because <laughs> right. it's so yeah. at the front of what is you know it's like yeah what the they, 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 yeah and like the, the later yeah. ones like they use the surround sound a little bit and this one exactly. it's just like this one is just it's, like nope just like you're listening to a podcast or something like yeah. it doesn't sound right right yeah it yeah. doesn't sound three-dimensional yeah and i think it for the type of film that it is totally freaking works yeah you know you're like, Woof. well yeah. technically i think it was shot for video for video release and then ultimately mm-hmm. again the evolution that it yeah. you know eventually became of it uh I love the fact that it was just it was an hour and seven minutes, which I was like, wait, that can't be right. Yeah. But in today's day and age, let me tell you, is I'm starting to love brevity so yeah. much oh, more yeah. and more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a nice tight 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mwah, yeah. So good. So an hour the and seven. Anti, the anti-fantasy island. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. That's right. That is my fantasy. <laughs> yeah, my the fantasy is this movie yeah. to be 40 minutes shorter. Yeah. 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 But I will say it never felt too you know, truncated for the most part. And like you said, I we I think we talked to it felt more like maybe an oddly anthology mm-hmm. film oh, for yeah. the most part. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where there was definitely the the connective tissue of just the house itself. Yeah, it uh, did not it certainly did not bring the story closed the same way the the later remakes of it does. Right. Okay. Where, where like because the, the later versions, you know, you've got the the sort of more main character in the American version, she's uh Michelle Sarah Michelle Geller. Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um and in the uh, you know in the Japanese versions, I don't know who the actress is, but but they're the same character where they they you follow them for more of the story, and they eventually come back and like try and set the house on fire and everything. You've got kind of a closure that doesn't finish it off, but it, it does you know wrap it up in more of it. This one just kind of ends. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it's it's not as much. It's just a bunch of vignettes. It's yeah. not as much one narrative as yeah. the later ones are. It's an anthology. That right. leaves it open for another anthology. <laughs> it's like a creep show with no wraparound. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. and so you're and the thing I like I I found very interesting about it was each anthology, each story had a different ghost. They were all the same ghost, but it was just mm-hmm. different types. You had the, the adorable meow meow kid, and you had like that fucking crab walk girl, mm-hmm. and like then the one that's like just sucked them out of the roof. So it was different types of ghosts, but. Like, yeah, it was just, sometimes that's not for me, you know? Like, it was just, I found it scary in some parts, extremely scary, but also very confusing in some parts. Because like you said, this movie doesn't hold your hand, or it doesn't, like, so when I went and looking at it as an anthology, I was like, okay, cool, I understand it a little bit better. But trying to find a narrative or figure it out, there's a lot lost in translation, which I think a lot of people, especially you see nowadays, I ain't going to see no foreign film because it's got them talkative words, right? So, like, I... It's worth your time, yeah, but oh yeah. don't expect to get everything. So, yeah. well, that's I think the the lost in translation, the cultural interpretation. I really enjoy that, and I think ultimately that's part of that can be unsettling because it is unknown, right. and the most mundane things can all of a sudden become just ter- just terrifying. The number four again didn't realize that that's that's it's a number like a, a numerology of death over in Japan. So apparent, and also like if your house is haunted, put and some sake. sake. Out there, sake solves everything, right? It's like like Homer Simpson to alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Very true. Well, actually, I'm trying 
I, I was just going to say, I, I did like that it, it had the thing that you don't get as much. I mean, we could do it a little bit more now with, like, The Conjuring and stuff, but you used to get a lot in Japanese movies. You don't get as much in American movies, which is just like, I'm going to call my cousin who's a psychic. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, I mean, we all have those, right? Right, like, and I, I love that. Like, no, it's just that this person I know, she can see ghosts. Yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> we all have that cousin. Yeah. Come on now, come on now. Well, as... Much as we love both of these films here, only one can go into the round of the Hateful Eight to represent the year, uh, the year 2000. The year 2000. And here in the round of the Scream 16, we do have two criteria that we look at. And one of the criteria is so nice, we include it twice. So we're going to ask which of the two films is closer to your heart. We, oh, you're going to go for it? Closer to the heart. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> the 2000 works. Uh. And then we're going to go from the heart to the head, and we're going to ask, if you took one film away from the year 2000, don't do it, which would leave the year poor? So we're going to go ahead and start with you gentlemen. Um, let's start off. Let's go Tyler. Scream 3 or Juon, which one is closer to your heart? Um, I, I think it would probably have to be Scream 3, not because I, I think it is a better movie by any stretch, but like <laughs> I have a richer history with it, That's you know, fair. so I've saw, I've, you know, I've seen it like a half a dozen times. It came out in a very specific time period that I can remember. Uh, they are characters that I like. Here's the bottom line. I, I love Nev, man. I loved her from day one and I would watch anything with, you know, you were like 32 minutes in and you're now just declaring your I, love. You've been I good. Just, You've been I good. wanted, it was party five. I wanted it to be party six, you know, like, come on, <laughs> they can have one more, right? Like, like one more. So, you know, I, I, it's closer to my heart because, uh, you know, all of those reasons, That's- I, I, and I don't want to take anything away from Dua cause it's, it, it is wonderful. But if that is the sole criteria, then probably that's what we do. Three. That's yeah. what we do. Mm-hmm. Scream three. I unfortunately probably have to say the same thing because, you know, I, I saw Scream 3 when it was new, either in theaters or right when it came on video. And, you know, I've seen it a bunch of times and I love the Scream series. And I grew up with them to some extent. And yeah, you know, it, I just saw Juan the first time last week. So, you know, it's eh. doesn't have the time to get there. No, that's totally. And again, this is it's a twisted little criteria here. But genius. Which of the two? I remember seeing Scream 3 in the theater. I remember like thinking, like, yeah, that was all right back then, too. So, like, <laughs> sometimes some movies, some movies have aged well. Some movies have aged poorly. Some movies just aged. And, like, I think that this is this one because it was, it was all right back in the day. And it was all right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go Scream 3. And I don't want to just jump on the bandwagon here. And I also recently watched Juan for the first time. I Now, unlike my viewings of Sidious and Paranormal Activity 2, which were spent upstairs in my bedroom on a laptop with my little headphones in, which was the most terrifying way to watch it ultimately, I watched Juan down here in the basement on the big screen because it was only an hour and seven minutes, so I knew Lola could be down here briefly. It was a good experience, but... Much like the same thing, Scream 3, I remember looking forward to it. I, I remember seeing it. I remember really enjoying Jay and Silent Bob showing up at the yeah, time. Going, yeah. hey, oh, yeah. great. I know those guys. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, and it just made it wonderful. Now, again, watching it now, that's the wonderful thing with movies is as you age, your relationship can change with them. And as we all know, relationships are complicated. But closer to the heart for me is definitely going to be Scream. Now, from the heart to the head, we're going to ask if you took one of these films away from the year 2000. From the year 2000. We're going to get our money's worth. Um, which one would leave the year ultimately poorer? So, pose it to you guys. Scream 3 or Juon? I, I think this is pretty easy. I, I think there are a handful of 
foreign horror movies that influenced the U.S. market, and this is certainly one of them. Mm. It spawned a gazillion <laughs> other movies after it, including yeah. like a remake that was not great, but you know, a remake this year. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at its lineage, if you look at its its lasting impact, I think Juan was was you know really large. So, if you remove it from the horror timeline, then I think it's, we all suffer because there are like four thousand movies that don't get made. Right. So. And. By the same token, in the year 2000, there are 4,000 other movies that are basically Scream 3. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would definitely say also Juon is the one that if we took it out, it would get, we would lose something. Because, like, it and Ringu are kind of the ur-texts of the J-horror movement, which was huge in the 2000s and remains influential up through now. So Absolutely. Very good show in the work. Genius. I'm going to kind of agree with you guys, but also spin it a bit. I'm going to go... Um, Scream 3. Because, yeah, if we take that away, we're going to take away a really good Japanese ghost story, right? But, like, back J-Horror was huge back then. We're going to have a lot more. We're going to have, for every grudge, we're going to have The Ring. We're also going to have, like, Dark Water. We're going to have a lot of other things. There's going to be more. I can say the exact same thing for Scream 3. But I think <laughs> if we take Scream 3 away, that is almost a... A, 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 a shifting, changing type of series that is keep on evolving, like with the TV series, with with the remakes, with mm. all of that, with four, with Emma Roberts coming in and just moving on to the different directions. And I think we can see a there's more as we progress into with technology and all that stuff. There's still going to be that calling you on the phone boogeyman. And I think if you take that okay. Scream Three away, especially with it being meta. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go screen three. Oh, good. Showed the work very well there. I, I'm going to agree with the, the fellows from the horror pod class just because of the sheer quantity of material that came out, not only in J-Horror, but again, the fact that in the 2000s, you got all the remakes. We got all the remakes of The the Grudge. We got the remake of The Ring. We got the remake of Dark Water. I mean, it just it was everywhere. Scream three, again, take it or leave it. I, I just get I, we're a podcast of positivity here, but <laughs> we like the movie, but, like. but you know what? It does not matter whether we like or love it, because by a count of one, two, three, four, five to three, Scream three has hacked its way into the round of the hateful eight. So Jane bought silent Bob live on. <laughs> Now, as we go from a couple of films that were probably problematic to a couple of films that are, again, totally opposite here and doing totally different things. We we got Art House versus Bloom House. (laughs) The 2000s, indeed. We have Final Destination going up against Shadow of the Vampire. Which one shall we dig into? Which one shall we bite into first? Uh, I... I love Final Destination, uh, we'll pretty pretty Final unabashedly. So I think we shall uh, go right into that one then. Did you guys see this this in the theater? I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember the cinematic experience, but I am absolutely certain I saw it in theaters. Yeah. yeah, I know I saw it in theaters. I know I saw it in theaters, and I know I saw it before. Because like in 2000 is the year I went to college. Ah. Um, and so I have this this like flip where some of the movies I saw in 2000 I saw when I was still in high school in my head and some of them were after I went to college when you became a man right and this is one of the ones from before so I saw that I saw this one when I was still in high school in my (laughs) head Um, which means I saw it like back in my hometown or something like that you know Um, so I remember seeing it I don't remember much about the experience but I know that that's when I saw it roughly (laughs) and I just I do remember the theatrical experience specifically because of the bus scene 
my theater lost their <laughs> yeah, minds yeah. during that. It was crazy. Yeah. It was unexpected. Yeah. Because well, that was the first one of those I think I had ever seen. Oh. I don't know that it was the first one anyone had done, but those, right, those but, like really yeah. sudden people being hit by a bus scenes, which yeah. we got a ton yeah. of later. But. Which, well, it was also one of those scenes when it came out on DVD that I would just go like scene Me by too. scene. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. how did they cut that in? Like, yeah, that was right. incredible. I still crack up to this day. Yeah. I mean, like, we're on the rewatch. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. I'd I for- know it's coming. I'd forgotten when it happened. So on the rewatch, I was like, ah, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> well, where, what truly is your love of this film then, Tyler? Cause uh, were- so like I, 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 what I remember most about uh, the movie, right. Is it's uh, it's Devin Sawa. And I remember roughly the same time period that and like idle hands came mm-hmm. out and let me tell you, I was an idle hands gay. Oh. Uh, Sawa's so, family. Sawa's family. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, I, this was the, the first film that we kind of got introduced to that, uh, we, we talked about on the last episode of uh, the horror podcast, the kind of Rude Bol- Goldberg and mm-hmm. like apparatus, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I'm like, I don't know what this shit is, but it is a hundred percent my jam because yeah. <laughs> I love hated that mousetrap game growing up because it took four <laughs> hours to set up and it would fucking fail. Yeah. Right yep. the top. You were like, yep. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm like, this is a whole movie like my mousetrap experience. I want more of this. Uh, if you take this movie and put the soundtrack to Pee Wee's Big Adventure, I think it would play <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. All of a sudden, like, like the bus comes out, dun 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 dun. Then like the water, dun dun bum 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 bum. bum. <laughs> replace replace Tony Todd with Pee Wee as as the mortician. You can't cheat, Dad. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. I think there's a movie theater scene or two, and that takes on a whole new meaning. I don't know. Oof. I don't think there's a movie theater scene in this one. Oh, oh, somebody one slips and like makes their head in the theater. So, like, <laughs> as much as I like the first Final Decision, and I do, I, I'm a big fan of it, too, um, like, the franchise as a whole was maybe the most reliable horror franchise we got maybe ever, yeah. certainly of that era. Part three in that one, how do we feel on it? Since we're talking bad on the part three, was it decent? They're all fine, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like, all fine. Part okay. two's great. Um, they, they I all love kind of- two. They all kind of blend together. It's right. part three, the roller coaster. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they're all um, built around the initial set piece. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I still think so. I, I still think part three should have done a thing that it didn't do. Um, so th- this is my pet, my pet soapbox about Final Fantasy <laughs> movies. So by so by part three, what should have happened? So you, you at the beginning of part three, you see all the kids get on the roller coaster and they all die horribly in the accident, and then it it cuts and you re- realize that that was just the vision that they had, and they all get off right, which is what's always happened. In part three, what should have happened was they should have introduced all the kids, gotten to know them a little bit. They should have all gotten on the roller coaster, had the horrible accident, all died, and the camera panned over to reveal that a different group of kids had already gotten off. <laughs> yeah. And that oh. those were not, like, the, the psychic thing that already happened. Ooh, and I they like had that. gotten off, right? It would have been great. You Everyone would have been taken by surprise. The inevitable Final Destination reboot that'll happen, <laughs> that's how they'll Actually, open it. that twist at the last Final Destination was a really so good, good twist. Oh, oh my so, God. So, so good. good. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. good. Five yeah. is the second best one, what, in my opinion. What um, I want to hear on the Final Destinations is, like, after somebody dies, I just want to hear that stock footage, like, <laughs> <laughs> laugh, and then, then that's it. You know, like, well, it's kind of crazy that this film did spawn a franchise because it could a great t- franchise, a great actually. franchise, and it yeah. could have totally been a one and done 
and we'd still be talking about it. But the fact that we've got five films where you can argue that the fifth film might be the second. Some will say the fifth film is the best one. And not to spoil anything, but there is that that reveal. That reveal in the yeah, fifth film. Great. And they, yeah. they, oh. they sell it so subtly mm-hmm. beforehand. Like, because when you go back and rewatch it, like everything, all the all the phones are vintage and everything's yep. so like, but they're they're real subtle about it. They don't draw attention to it. Nope. And so, like, yeah, it, it, they sell it so beautifully. That was another great theatrical experience as uh-huh. well, because everyone just kind of had that oh shit <gasps> real moment. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it was it, the shared experience when that kind of stuff happens, man. You you get a great home viewing experience, but that yeah. theatrical experience, man. Even back in two thousand, when you had rough crowds and mm-hmm. we didn't have the draft house or Screenland, mm-hmm. the wild, wild west, west of the theatrical yeah. <laughs> So crazy back then. But I rewatching the movie, I'd forgotten. Number one, how mean these initial... All the kills, for the most part, are mean, but they always Very. become more cartoonish mm-hmm. as the franchise went. But they're still mean. Like, this, the gymnastic yeah. scene? Oh, my God. Brutal. That's mean oh as God. fuck. So yeah. mean. You but, know, no, it's, 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 it's been a mean franchise. The first kill is the one that always gets me the most with the bathtub and the kid and the uh-huh. hanging. Yeah, yeah. 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 I yeah. don't know if it's just the fact that they're showing him and he just can't quite get his traction mm-hmm. and all of that. And it's just yeah. the Foley design yeah. is really good in that. And, oh. and I think uh, talk about movies that like have aged in a very specific way. Like just at least in our classroom, we get all of this like uh, suicide training and everything mm-hmm. that's very necessary. I don't know if that movie with that really? kill could come out right now because yeah. it's just a little it, too real or too prescient yeah. or to something, you yeah. know. I mean, would have to go cartoony with that because, yeah, yeah that's that's. It yeah. struck me as yeah. just so rough, and then mm-hmm. even thinking about Devin Kasawa's character running up to that and just all of that, it was just yeah. it really really yeah. messed me up. Actually, yeah, yeah. it's intense. Like, the strength of the first movie is also its weakness to some extent. Is that it? Its kills are not cartoonish, no, particularly, no. and they're not particularly Rube Goldberg esque. Like they're they're complicated, but not compared to the later ones. No, yeah. I, and so, like, the, the complicatedness of the kills is what made the rest of the franchise. Yeah. And so this first movie, it's still finding its footing in that regard. But it also means that the kills are more relatable and Certainly. therefore more unpleasant. Yeah. It, the <laughs> fact that this can really happen. Yeah. Goof accidents. Because right. I do a lot of goof accidents a lot. <laughs> and so the, all the Final Destination movies. See the beginning of this episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right? Like, everything could be just like, oh, shit, you know? Because, like, falling down in the bathroom in the tub and accidentally fucking... Oh choking myself is an actual fear i mean like yeah. you hear about the you hear about all the time and as i get older like you hear all these old ladies back in the day oh she fell down to the bathtub yep. you know and you're like that's not gonna happen but now i'm like holy shit you know so, i'm i'm petrified not only of the haunted houses now that i'm by myself but of the liz lemon choking on a frozen tv dinner uh-huh. dying by myself kind of fear it's like <laughs> she oh, went it's like real. 30 times you know, not me no not <laughs> not not me today Come but on. if this was final destination like something like a bowling ball would have fallen off <laughs> yeah. the thing and hit the fork and the fork would have launched right. a pee into your mouth and uh yeah, yeah. A frozen pea? Yes, rosebud frozen peas. The country goodness and green penis. Orson Welles missing from Final Destination? Could we have inserted him instead of Tony Todd? <laughs> you can't cheat death. <laughs> I'm down for that remake. All right. I, it's surprising that you can get so much joy out of this. And I will go back to that gym, gymnastics one, the kill mm. real quick. They did that. That's technically practical, but they just shot it in different, like, 
process. And I'm just I'm so impressed with that. Yeah. That's, but there are a handful that are like that, right? Yeah. Like the tanning booth scene. Oh. The, oh. Uh, the, the there's like a plate glass scene. That oh I my remember. god, the plate glass scene is the best one. Yeah. It's so good. It's so. And it's, like, it's what so good. did they do? Yeah. It's, and it's so good. It's in two. All the all the best ones are in two. That's yeah. not true. The gymnastics <laughs> one's really good, and it's not in two. But a lot of the really best ones are in two. But um, but yeah, the plate glass one like. Because they fake it out for like a half an hour mm-hmm. beforehand, right? Like you spend like all this time in the dentist office, which everyone oh. is terrified of dentist office to begin yeah. with, right, right. and everything in the dentist office is horrible and is going to kill him. And then he gets out, and the plate glass window drops, and it just like flattens him instead yeah. of like cutting him, which is what it would do in any other movie. It flattens him; it lands flat. It's so yeah. good. It oh just, my god, I it love it. It just needed the like wah 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 right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah. Question. When you see a truck full of logs, yeah. every, oh, yeah. every, every time, every time, yeah. every, every time. time, like I'm sure you guys are on roughly the same <laughs> film Twitter that I'm on. So like every time anyone yeah. that I follow on Twitter sees one of those, they take a picture and they don't have to caption it. Yeah. They just post it and everyone immediately knows. It's like, oh, oh, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, My wife who does not like horror movies will see that and she'd be like, oh, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> Pass the, this truck right now. Been nice knowing you person behind one of those trucks. <laughs> yeah. That brings me a good point. Would you consider this like gateway horror, entry horror? Would, you, would this be horror 101 or do you think this might be a little bit more... I think advanced. when you get past sl- basic slashers, you mm-hmm. can introduce this as like the weird pseudo slasher or the the you know uh, nuanced one because I mean it's yeah. not necessarily the slasher not, but the it, specter of death death is the slasher though ultimately right. the killing right. machine would this be a I good could, I, I think so I mean it was clearly aimed at high school age yeah. right kids like that's clearly who its target audience was yeah and after this conversation I've got a a twelve year old that I'm introducing to and this is not on my list but I think it probably should might be, be. interesting you know, like, uh, interesting might have to, yeah check back in with us yeah, let that's us know right. how that goes <laughs> so I'm going from a film that equal parts mean and fun and spawned a franchise to a film that holy smokes would play really well now and you want to talk about a meta movie you know you got and play, normies and normies especially oh, yeah. yeah oh they normies will love this one yeah this is yeah. classy this is the classy <laughs> we are looking at shadow of the vampire so your initial thoughts uh, relationship with the film what's going on with you and well my initial thought is that i tried really hard to rewatch this one before the show like i rewatched all the others before the show even the ones i'd seen before i rewatched them all in the last week or so and this one i tried so hard and it is nowhere i tried to get it from the library and it didn't get here in time and Nowhere online could you even buy it. Nowhere. You couldn't watch yeah. it. You couldn't steal it. You couldn't buy it. <laughs> I could not find this movie to save my life. Um, so I haven't seen it in, in 20 years. <laughs> so is this one that you probably saw in the I theater? I saw this in the theater. I saw this um, in Liberty Ooh. Hall in Lawrence. Really? In the tiny second theater in Liberty Hall in Lawrence. Like, that I'd have only been in for this one showing. Because all the rest of the time I was in the main theater. And it's the size of a broom closet. I saw The Dreamers. In that theater, and if you know that movie, The Dreamers, that is, and I, there were three other people in that that theater with me. You want to talk about waiting to hear that? Exactly. Holy God! Sorry, but no, yeah, I love it. Love the regional on that. Yep, yep. You guys were almost been huddled up too. That theater was so tiny. It was. But Shadows, though, that had to play pretty well then, because that's yeah. such an intimate movie. Yeah, anyway, it was great. It was fine in that little shoebox of a, a theater. Because um, there are other theaters so big and nice, and yep. then there's other ones like nope. It's, bloop. You're yeah. just it's it's. <laughs> Again, we love Liberty Hall, love the theatrical experience, yep. but do you remember, is this one that you maybe saw? Uh, I am pretty confident I saw it in the movie theater, um, maybe. Uh, and this is this is my, my lasting vision of it, all right? <clears throat> I think it's uh, it's like the Velvet Underground. Uh, like 
I can see it as something that's really good, but I'm like not it's... cool enough for it. So like I maybe <laughs> like a song or two, but like when people are like I'm super into the Velvet Underground, I'm like awesome, that's great. <laughs> it's it yeah, I'm just not there. And I remember leaving that like. Uh, I am absolutely certain this is making a commentary about whatever, but you know, I, at the age that I was at, I was definitely not yeah. ready yeah. to have that conversation. And, uh, you know, like w- we have had a conversation about elevated horror, like a gazillion times <laughs> over. And I feel like this, right. And they're big ear air quotes, yeah. big air quotes around that phrase. But I feel like. If we were to place one of these movies that we've talked oh, yeah. about, this, this, this would be. If this came it. out today, it would absolutely be released by A twenty four. Yeah, 100%. right, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. <laughs> Whether no. good or bad, that's absolutely who would put it out. Well, I, mean, I want to throw a question out to Genius McGee. Now, having seen a film recently in which Willem Dafoe displays some gnarly teeth. Bobby Peru. Yeah. Who's who's more creepy, uh, Max Shrek? I'd uh, hang out with Max Shrek before I'd hang out with Bobby Peru. You know what I'm call. saying? That's I mean, call. like, I, I'll, I'll hang out during the day with Max Shrek, <laughs> but, like, I wouldn't hang out in the day with Bobby Peru. <laughs> Is Willem Dafoe one of our more underappreciated actors? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah, like, he's a... He's or do a, you think he's just too over the top? No, I like no, I, no. I love like, him. No, but I think I think he's appreciated by like film nerds. By like film? I mean, you know, like people like us. Like I think we appreciate yeah. him. He, I don't know. I don't know if normal people know who he is, but so <laughs> here's here's why I love him. All right, so I think we both like the lighthouse. Uh, maybe yeah. I didn't love it, but I liked it. It was fine. Uh, yeah. And they ask him like a tiff or you know one of these things, right? Uh, there are a lot of farts in that movie. Yes, <laughs> like there are, are uh, no pun intended, an ass ton of farts <laughs> in that movie. So they said, uh, you know, like. How much of the how much of that is real? How much of that is fully work? How much of it? And like straight up, he's like, oh, it's like half and half. <laughs> like half of those are genuinely mine. And I'm like, that guy's so Fuck cool. Yeah. yeah, like let's go. <laughs> well, his right. career has been so indebted into genre cinema and all oh, the yeah. stuff that maybe mm-hmm. the normies know. But yeah. you know, go back to like Streets of Fire. Yeah. And, um, think about it's a film that I'm not a big fan of but even like the Boondock Saints right. you know people right. love them in that um, fucking Green Goblin the Green yeah. Goblin yeah. 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 like Last Temptation of Christ holy right? god yeah. 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 he's worked with all From David Lynch Scorsese Jesus to Bobby Peru to, Bobby Peru. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. to yeah. Max Shrek to which and that's what I like this performance and I think this one would play interesting with Scream 3 just in terms of the meta aspects sure. because you have Willem Dafoe playing Max Shrek as playing Count Orlock as maybe as a real vampire, yeah. potentially. And if you look at that, I mean, that's a layered performance that he has to throw in there. Yeah, this is, is a good what he, if. Did it, he got an Oscar nomination for? I mean, that that good. This good. is this is the rare horror movie, if it is in fact a horror movie, which I think See, it is. That um, <laughs> that got an Oscar nomination for anything. Uh, he got he didn't win, but he got an Oscar nomination for best supporting actor. Well, the fact this. that so you you have a it movie, got two. In fact, I don't remember what the other one was, but. Oh yeah, well, in fact, you have a movie about vampires. Probably sound because like, oh, well, you. So you had a chance to screen this yeah. recently in the theater yeah. for film club. First time I've seen in the theater, the theatrical experience. Tell me a little bit about that. Holy genius. shit! Okay, so first of all, he did great, and second of all, Willem Dafoe as Max Shrek. There's a scene where he's telling telling a story around the campfire, right? <laughs> and he's over there, and like the actor Eddie Izzard is engaged as shit when he's because he's like. And then upon the fields in the dark. And like, I'm sitting there, like, engaged as well, <laughs> just like hanging on every word. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like, the Foley work, there's this, like, sound of a bat 
that's in the background, and he reaches out and snatches the bat and like and starts eating it. Well, it scared the absolute <laughs> fucking shit out of me because I swear I thought I heard a bat like him flying right by my ear, and I go ghost like in the middle of the theater. I yelp, my my feet are up in the air, like, and that consequently scared Amber, and Amber's like God! so like. Yeah, so uh, I inadvertently scared a bunch of people because I was. <laughs> Normally, I like that shit, but I was. Ooh, this probably was. We have a thing called um, the eating alive moment, where it scares, where a movie you haven't seen for a while or first time just gives you just a visceral scare. And for me, this year, this was Shadow of the Vampire. Yeah. Such a good scare. I'm glad that. It's hopefully a tradition that continues throughout the tournament and again whether it's a first time or a rewatch well ultimately we definitely love both of these films given a lot of love but only one can advance into the round of the hateful eight so between the two final destination and shadow of the vampire we're going to start with the gentleman from the horror pod class which film is closer to your heart i have too much nostalgia to not go with final destination uh there's too much to love about it it, it represents that kind of uh, you know, early college experience for me that we had talked about earlier. So, like, this is kind of a no-brainer for me. Not saying that the other isn't a great film, but if we're looking at something that's closer to me personally, I'm, I'm going to go this route. Go on the criteria? Yeah. Um, I think I'm actually going to go for Shadow of the Vampire. While I love the franchise of Final Destination, it's the later ones that I really love, not the first one. And, um, you know, I have that memory of Liberty Hall that we talked mm -hmm. about. And then Shadow of the Vampire is, you know, it's very... It's very much a movie about the kinds of stuff I'm interested in. It's a movie about making old silent movies. It's a movie about, you know, Nosferatu and, <laughs> Actually, and yeah. German Impressionist directors. I mean, all my kinds of stuff. Uh, plus, it's like a feature film that um, e. Elias Smirhage made, which he made Begotten, which is the most screwed up movie any normal person is probably ever likely to see. Um, and the fact that he went from that to this is so weird that it's just like all of that is really interesting to me. So I think I think for like close to my heart, I think I'm gonna have to go with that. Showing the work, showing the work. Genius. I fucking love Final Destination. I love the franchise. I remember seeing this movie in the theater. Uh, but Oren said the later ones are the better ones. And I'm going to agree with that. And like I said before, man, the <laughs> eating alive scare, that trumps a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. So for the eating alive scare, I'm going to go Shadow of the Vampire. Works totally. I So I saw both of these films in the theater. Had great experiences with both of them. Definitely wasn't at a, you know, uh, Lawrence F. in Kansas there. Hmm. But I I think because of the bus shot and that crowd reaction, <laughs> there's, I, I, I mean, I remember to this day and it just, I, just that feeling like, oh my God, we all just had this wonderful reaction and just that shared experience. And I, I again, I, it's like a dragon. I'm, I'm chasing it. So I'm going to have to go with Final Destination on that. Now, that being said... If you remove one of these films away from the year 2000, which one would leave the year poor? So again, we'll start it over here. Final Destination. Final. I mean, as much as Shadow of the Vampire is probably the better movie, Final Destination is clearly the one that would leave the year poor. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, like getting into like topics about <laughs> cultural relevance and, you know, like how long it's stuck with us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like a... a Certainly, one is uh, you know more elevated or whatever. But you know, I, I was thinking about Final Destination and like it did so many 
interesting things. Like it did a movie that was in 3D before yeah. 3D yep. was big, right? Yep. It even did this DVD thing because I, I had all these DVDs where yeah. you could pick the kill, right? Yes. right yeah. yes. It totally reminded me of Bandersnatch, which was like the big Netflix thing that like yes. took yep. everybody by storm. It wasn't great, but you know, That's... like it was the thing to do. I'm like, shit, I was doing that with Final Destination kills <laughs> like in 2002, you know? So like I, I think yeah. it, it really did a lot of really cool stuff and, and set the stage. So yeah. I mean, and as much as it's clearly for teenagers and is not, it's not all arty. It and it's about big themes. Like yeah. it's about deep yeah. themes. You know, it's about the inevitability of death and mm-hmm. all this stuff. That's like it's heavy stuff. It's heavy stuff done in a way that's palatable. Like, but and appropriate. It's the it's the heavy stuff that's always wasted on those damn teens. <laughs> um. As much as I love Shadow of the Vampire, I think if we took away two thousand, if we took away Shadow of the Vampire, we're going to miss a great movie. We're going to miss a really cool what if movie. Um, but if we take away Final Destination, I think we're going to not only leave two thousand poorer, but I think we're going to leave horror as a genre poorer. Absolutely, this movie did something that no other movie really other has done before. Made. The specter of death, the inevitability of death, an actual character. We never a character we never see, a character we never notice, but we see its presence. Even to outside of the horror world, we can still feel the inevitability and the presence of death. And I think that's one reason because of Final Destination. Yeah. So when existential dread manifests itself into the garbled accident that is the gymnast scene, that is the log scene. I mean, it's taking something that is deep. And wonderful, it's mortality. I mean, we're we're all gonna die. Mm-hmm. It's it's inevitable. But then you add that element to it that makes it so much fun. And then you add the cartoonish elements and all the other films. Dun 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 dun. dun. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous how well it works. And again, it's not to throw shade at Shadow of the Vampire by any means. It's it's probably the better film. But in terms of the importance in the year two thousand, the year two thousand, uh, you got to give it to Final Destination. And by a count of one, two, three, four, five, six to two, Final Destination is cheating death and going into the round of the Hateful Eight. <laughs> which means here we have Scream Three going up against Final Destination. Hmm. I would hate to be the person that has to talk about this and debate this because. I'm feeling a little bit better about this. Are you having any buyer's remorse now? No, I'm not. No, I'm not having any buyer's remorse. The worst thing we get is when we're done recording, he's like, oh, man. Did that happen? It's like, no, that really happened. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, if this was a different day, we might have been talking ginger snaps. Potentially, yeah. Exactly. exactly. I love ginger snaps. Who doesn't? It's so good. That's part of the madness, my friend. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to do all of this. This has been wonderful phenomenal and again just it's always a nice chance to get you guys down over here and chilling yeah. so again where can our listeners find you out on uh, social media and all that kind of good stuff i am uh, orin gray on facebook twitter and instagram uh, you can find me on twitter at ty unsel otherwise uh follow all the stuff at signalhorizon.com that's where you can find the podcast and everything else we write and do excellent again thank you guys so much now we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to be joined by the gentlemen from the a to z horror cast as they help us break down scream three and final destination from the year 2000 from the year 2000 And we are back, and as we go from the round of the Scream 16 into the round of the Hateful Eight, uh, let us again thank Tyler and Oren from the Horror Pod class, 
and let us say goodbye to Juwan and Shadow of the Vampire. As I guess the pale look just wasn't in style that year. Blah. Blah, indeed. Or the yeah, little meow kids. <laughs> but as one door uh, closes, another one opens. And behind that door, we have one of my favorite horror podcasts. Uh, because not only do they make you laugh regarding whatever film they're talking about, uh, but they're one of the few horror sommeliers. How do we say it? Sommeliers. Thank you, genius. You always add a touch of class. Je le bon. But they are true of the ones out there because not only do they, uh, you know, do you laugh with the films, but they have these fantastic brew pairings that go along with the horror. Please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead and Into the Mouth of March Madness from the A to Z Horror Cast, Jake, Jack, and Mark. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing today? Hey, we're doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having us on. We we love your podcast. We love the Into the Mouth of March Ma- Into the Mouth of March Madness specifically. So we're super stoked to be here. And it's the only March Madness we're getting this year. <laughs> yeah. As it turns out, we are kind of, I guess, the one and lone horror example out there now. You know, so by a necessity, my economics class I learned supply and demand. We're in the lead, genius. All right. Well, speaking of the madness, before we get into it truly, uh, where can our listeners find you out on social media? Please plug and promote away. Yeah, so we are uh, on Twitter, uh, A to Z Horror, A T O Z Horror. Uh, Instagram, we're underscore A to Z Horror, A T O Z Horror. Uh, we have a website that's just A to Z Horror, but with a hyphen that time because, you know, things are hard. We're great at being consistent. Exactly. Uh, but you can find us on any of those places. Um, Facebook, too. Just search for A to Z Horror. Or if yep. you just Google A to Z Horror or the A to Z Horror cast, we'll pop up somewhere in yeah. there. Well, and like I said, it, it, it takes a, a few things for people to get into my regular podcast rotation. And one of the things, ultimately, is, number one, the genuine joy that you guys get from the films. Ultimately, again, good or bad, whether you've enjoyed them or not. But also just the chemistry of you guys, the, the friendship. Um, again, it works in a nice way. So for that to land in my, my re- regular rotation, it means a lot. So thank you for the good, you know, content out there. It is appreciated. Well, well thank you, you guys yeah. you for the kind review. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, no, of course, of <laughs> yeah. course. We are all so deep into horror. We just love it and can't get enough of it. So excited. Yeah, I think uh, we might have mentioned this when we were when we were lucky enough to be on with you guys a few years ago discussing the end of the Mar- mouth of March Madness. Now I'm doing it too. But <laughs> we started the podcast because we were all living in different places and we loved watching horror movies. So it was a way to keep in touch outside of just sending text messages about random things. And <laughs> we've kept that hobby up. It's perfect. Well, and, and you can hear it in the show, and like I said, that's the, the chemistry between the cast is one of the things that always brings me in, ultimately, so it is appreciated a lot in. But now, one of the things that really separates you guys from the other horror shows out there, and again, pronounce it again for me there, genius. Sommeliers. There we go, thank you, is one of the things you always bring in is a beer for fear, and I'll be honest, I am not the biggest of drinkers. Um, in fact, I'm really not a drinker, so... I'm always lost, sadly, when you guys go into that. But ultimately, it's such a great combination. Um, was that something that you wanted to do from the start? Just kind of the the kind of the pitch of the podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of. So it was when it started. We would just kind of hang out and we'd have beers because that we were just hanging out and talking about horror movies. And we are, I think it's safe to say, on the other end of the drinking spectrum uh, from not drinkers. <laughs> so we would always have beers, and then we just started talking about what beers we're watching with the movie. And I think. When we first started, it wasn't as specifically we're going to go get a beer for this movie, but it has definitely evolved into that. And now we even have a thing where uh, listeners vote on who did the worst job pairing the beer with the movie we're watching, and, and we have to watch movies as punishment. So, 
you know, all things considered, not so bad. It's usually Jake, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> There's always one in the group, sadly. And yep. But no, like I said, even as a non-drinker, I've really found a lot of joy in that because now, genius, you used to partake. Oh, I used to partake heavily. <laughs> <laughs> I used to partake heavily, but like the recoup for me became a little yep. too much. So yep. my my my, I, I can commiserate with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's happening. It's and, well, and that's the other thing is that inevitability of you know age always creeps up on you. Like like a death, deathly specter, you know, that we will eventually get into there. Um, but ultimately, I we kind of wanted on our end here to, to fully engage with the shows that we go in here is we on our end have some beers for fears with our two films that are left from the from the year 2000. From the year 2000. Sadly, unfortunately, we have inundated the last two 2000 <laughs> episodes with that horrible... <laughs> Hackneyed Conan bit. It's a drinking game in itself. It truly is. Uh, but we've gone from eight films to two films here in the round of t- uh, Into the Mouth of March Madness, from the Scream 16 into the round of the Hateful Eight. And we have two films vying for a position in the round of the Frightful Four. And we've got ultimately two films here on the docket that could probably be just so different from each other in terms of tone, nature, just content. Uh, we have Scream 3 going up against Final Destination. So I'm going to leave it for our guest here. Um, which film should we initially start talking? Scream 3 or Final Destination? Ooh, I think Mark should do this. Mark, 2000 is like your forte. Ah, that's yep. my bailiwick. Pick it. Pick <laughs> it. Which one's first? Uh, let's start with Scream 3. Nice. With 100% cotton. Oh. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying I would have been like a cottonhead or something along those lines. Whatever, you know, his whole little... Um, I like Cottonhead. Yeah, I like Cottonhead. Now, that's probably not politically correct somehow. That just doesn't work. Cottonhead and any muggins. There you go. But no, um, (laughs) throw it out to you guys then. Scream 3, did anyone see this initially in the theater? Uh, What's your relationship? You know, how did you engage with this film? I'll jump in here. So I I first saw this movie not in theaters. This was definitely a, uh, a rental. The, the local video store. That was the Hollywood video down oh. here, which is a, an Idaho, I think, specific. R.I.P. Yeah. yeah. Chain of video stores are used to be. So this was maybe three, four years after the movie came out is when I, I picked it up and rented it. And yeah. I had a pretty fun time with it when it first came out. Jake, how about you? So I, when we watched it for this venture, it's the first time I've watched it end to end. Oh, wow. I've wow. seen parts okay. of this movie, but this is not one when it came out that I saw a couple years later. I think when it first came out, like we were on just the uptick of getting to be old enough to where we could really dive into a lot of these films. So it's not like it was out of the realm of what we would see, but I, I just didn't cross my radar. I'd seen Scream, then I saw Scream 2, and, you know, Scream 3 just didn't end up really happening for me. But, yeah. How about you, Mark? So I'm more in Jack's boat than Jake's. This was one that I would have seen probably renting through the local blockbuster, the local Hollywood. One of the reasons I love the 2000s as an era is because, at least in my boat, that was like my parents wouldn't take me out to the theater. We all grew up in Boise, Idaho, and the closest theater was like way the hell out on the other side of town. Uh, But they would happily take me down to the local video store, and I'd grab a VHS tape or maybe toward the end there a DVD and take that home and get a few friends over and we'd watch it. Scream 3 worked its way into the rotation a few times, but I think, honestly, like, we would more frequently go with Scream 1 or 2 if given the choice. Yep. 
And I think that plays nicely into my next question here, ultimately, is, you know, good or bad with Scream 3, what are your guys' thoughts on the Scream franchise itself? Um, and I'm not going to ask you to impromptu rank them, but I might, you know, ask later on the episode. But, yeah, what's your relationship and thoughts with the franchise itself? you got to love the Scream franchise, right? I mean, it's so critical. It's, it's like some of that first real, genuine, like, uh, meta horror that's going on, where it's playing with the genre, and it does it so perfect. So, I, you know, complete, completely agree. Stone Classic, as far as the series is concerned, you can see what it did for the genre as a whole. Like by the time the 2000s roll around and Scream 3 comes out, you have Scary Movie being made and Ghost Faces everywhere. Yeah. It really brought into the forefront another very prominent, visible slasher villain for people who aren't even really interested in horror. Everybody knows it. Mm -hmm. The meta aspect as well. I mean, that's a big part of it. But it, I think it helped people who might not necessarily jump in to the deep end but it then also really satisfies people who have a knowledge of some of the tropes that that, that, it, that it's playing with so b good from both sides yeah it's not too many movies anymore that you can go out on halloween night and see the antagonist running around <laughs> yeah. uh and scream definitely as a franchise has that in spades right i still to this day see kids running around in the ghost face costume which i guess yep. is why it worked in the first place but still he can totally be on the Mount Rushmore of the next generation of horror icons, you know? Because not quite yeah. the 80s, but then, like, you get the like later 90s and 2000s. Like you said, kids are running around with ghost face killers and, like, will accept no substitutes. <laughs> when you have knockoff ghost face at, like, the Dollar General ones that kids get disappointed to get, then, like, <laughs> you know you've become, like, cult status, like, icons. You got the extra fancy ones that you like have the blood pump in your mm -hmm. hand. You blood effects coming through the mask too. Takes all kinds. The fact that yeah, this, that your grandmother knows Ghostface, but yet may have never seen the film, just yeah. shows yeah. that it's totally in the popular consciousness. But um, ultimately, did you guys read? And this will kind of age the time when we record this. But did you see that there are going to be a reviving Scream? Yeah. And they've got the gentleman from Ready or Not going to be helming it. Love it. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, I think that's great. Yes. Love the Radio Silence guys. Yeah. I mean, Ready or Not was one of, I mean, Mark, I think that was like right up there near your top of last year. And yeah. I've loved some Super of their other fun. stuff that they've done, like Southbound and the others. They're great. So looking forward to that one. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's funny timing, right? Because Scream 4 came out, what, 2011? So they're kind of like taking these 10-year chunks off to make the last couple of sequels, which is pretty good. I like, yeah, I like, I like a little more distance. It's almost too bad that Scream 2 came out like so shortly after Scream 1 and they could have just done an every 10 years thing. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Mistakes were made. Yeah. Well, and it's the, the <laughs> fact that they're supposed to be commenting on the tropes of horror from when they're released. So technically... It would be a way to keep everything fresh because ideally every 10 years, as we're seeing sometimes, things can change. Because they could have went yeah. Saw and like been every year and it could have <laughs> easily been yeah. Halloween means it's scream time again, you know? <laughs> totally, so, totally turns into like what Paranormal Activity did back yeah. there. That's, <laughs> that's, that's too soon, I think. Which, <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing that I definitely wanted to touch upon is the fact that obviously you guys love the Scream 1, Scream 2. How do you feel about Scream 4? Because I will go to bat for that one, uh, but I know it's, it doesn't have its fans per se. What are your thoughts on Scream 4? It's been a while since I've seen it, honestly. I saw it once probably around when it came out in 2011, maybe 2012. 
Yeah. It didn't hit me the way I wanted it to, so I haven't gone back. You can probably talk me into it. I've been doing a thing <laughs> this year with my New Year's resolution of revisiting entire franchises as like a whole. And uh, going back to Scream 3 kicked that off, so I'll probably be taking a look at Scream 4 here in the near future just to see how it hits me again. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one I remember being a ton of fun, but I also don't have like a lot of very strong opinions about it because I don't think I really sat down and watched it start to finish, just the kind of era it came out. I think we just rented it and threw it on at some point, but I've never really like uh, studied the film, shall we say. <laughs> the rent on, the rent and throw it on thing, I mean, like I said, that's what happened with this one, and I, you can kind of remember more when you're paying more attention to a film, but what I wonder is how much how much of the public feeling is related to, you know, what you see on screen when you're watching the movie, and then how much of that is just related to fatigue, or the idea that you had this trilogy, and now there's a fourth movie out there, there are certain elements that might play into that as well, so it's, I agree, ultimately, it's one that I don't have super fond feelings for, but I don't look back and remember it as being trash, because there are plenty of movies that I have, like, visceral memories of and hating, I don't hate this movie by any means, or that movie by any means. And the only reason I ask is ultimately looking at just the totality of the franchise, Scream 3, it just inevitably is the one that people kind of frown upon. And whether it is obviously the power of the bangs, whether it is, again, the allure of 100% cotton, I'm always curious to see why it just doesn't land as well with people. Because as you mentioned, it did have, well, no, technically, I think one of the biggest things is it didn't, much like Part 2, it didn't really have a lot of time to breathe in yeah. between each sequel, each of the releases. It was a lot of lather, rinse, repeat. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that's another thing kind of about Scream 3 is there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that was going on with it, too, right? A lot mm -hmm. of studio rewrites, new writers brought on, troubled production. So unlike the other two, which felt like they had a more consistent, cohesive vision, this one I think people tend to view as a little more scattered. So is it one that you would ultimately, was this one that now having had to watch it because of the into the, and I'll let, let me just say it, every time we're talking about that, it's so funny because like, I won't lie, I literally thought Cherry Falls would beat this in the first round. Me too. We put the, we put the contest together and it, it still didn't go the way we thought we were going to go. And it was because of yeah. us. And so, <laughs> well, and then inevitably it's the fact important to show your work. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, the, this is totally uh, screen three is a total dark horse because like we were talking about this, this movie, I love scream one. I love scream two. I really dig this shit out of scream four, scream five, the fucking series, everything. But scream three to me was just like, okay, <laughs> You know, it, it's like, I love the Jay and Silent Bob entrance, but it just, that, that <laughs> threw me off for the rest of the movie because I didn't know what else to see. Well, for me, actually, right. rewatching it again, it's the Carrie Fisher cameo yep. that just yeah. really wounded me. And it just realized we didn't deserve her ever as, a, you know, fanboys and genre folks. <laughs> Were there any cameos in there for you guys that either distracted you or enhanced the viewing for this time? Oh, oh yeah, there were. For me, <laughs> I love Patrick Warburton so much. Yeah, right? He's beyond cameo, but he is, he, when you see him in there, it's, you're paying attention. And, like, man, I'd forgotten he's in this movie, and then all of a sudden, that hits you like a ton of bricks. It was delightful. Like, holy yeah. shit, it's Brock for Samson. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it was Jay and Silent Bob, for sure. I share that same sentiment. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've said all of them at this point, but I think we're touching on something that's true to the entire Scream franchise, which is that this 
film series can pull a cast together. If yeah. it's cameos, sure, but yes. I mean, like, if you go back and look at the people who are in Scream 2, Scream 3, like, it's a freaking murderer's row of people mm -hmm. out there. You, Some of them weren't that big when they were in the movie, right? I think a Timothy Oliphant in number two. Mm -hmm. I don't think he had that many roles prior to number two. Uh, I don't know how big Parker Posey was when she was in number three, but, yeah, you see them, and they're like, oh, damn, look at these people. <laughs> Parker Posey's always been big. <laughs> probably true I'm not a scholar yep. on Parker Posey <laughs> I, there's probably an undergrad course out there regarding like the, um, the, 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 the the characters of Christopher Guest ultimately is something along those lines because that's the one thing people forget is she cut her teeth in a lot of those films and she kind of is one of the best parts of this movie also the fact that you've got Jennifer, uh, Jennifer McCarthy in this yep. one which is also not necessarily yep. jarring but it's oh yeah, this is this is two thousand. This is the late nineties. There are folks like this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, was, that one. That one's also one that it, it hits you different. It makes you really you you understand what you're watching when you see that. Having had twenty years since it came out, that's that's what's really interesting is you go back because I I can't put myself in the shoes of totally clean slate watching this mm -hmm. at that point in time when it released. Now you have the benefit of that period of time and these people's careers and those trajectories have done what they've done. And you look back on it, like Mark said, I, it's kind of a chicken or the egg with some of these because I don't know how many roles they might have had at the time. But I, these are big movies and they pulled together a cast. So it's good in that regard, for sure. You got McDreamy five years before his role on Grey's Anatomy. Yep. Yes, I was just about to touch upon that because I was like, they think they hit right before the uh, yep. the. Dempsonicence, I guess. What is that? Dempsonicence. Dem <laughs> the Dempsonicence. There it is. <laughs> but also the fact that here in you know another decade we have Wes Craven. Even though this may not necessarily yeah. be his best representation, the fact that he has been leaving his imprint in the seventies, eighties, nineties, and then I will and I will go to bat for Scream Four. But even in the two thousands, that he is just mm -hmm. all over, and he's just. I think the biggest thing also rewatching this is just kind of missing Wes Craven for the most part. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, yeah, that's agreed. So again, a somber note uh, from Scream Three. Final thoughts before we uh, transition to our other film. You know, it's uh, it, it's a ton of fun. Scream Three is more fun than I was expecting it to be upon revisit. I was uh, I was going in a little bit, you know, thinking that this is going to be a little bit of a slog to get through, but it's pretty fun. Uh, uh, yeah, fun. I mean, on the transitional note, it was my thought going into it was, how is this? How does this have any shot in hell at what we're putting it up against when I walked into watching these two movies? So It is unlikely. You know, I... Oh, go, go, go on. Any other... I was, I was just like... With this movie, it just seemed... It was a lot of fun. It was, but that's what kind of like mm -hmm. took it away from me. It was almost like two different movies. Kind of like Halloween uh, H2O. Well, the part with Nev Campbell and Ghostface... It, I, Oh, is gotcha. reminiscent of like the part with Jamie Lee and Michael Myers. It was like the best part of the movie, but then the rest of the movie, this was almost yeah. like oh, yeah. Definitely. this was almost like Scooby Doo, you know, with Parker Posey running around with Brock Samson and yeah. like trying to solve the mystery with Deputy Dewey. You know, it was just mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It, it was almost too meta for meta for me, for meta sake for me. So, I, but the scares yeah. when the scares happened were really really good. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. So before we transition to Final Destination. Ultimately, we got to talk our beer for fear with Scream Three. Now, by any chance, did you guys happen to have anything lined up on your end? 
Oh, we sure do. We've all got some. I actually went for one beer that I thought covered both movies. Ooh, so good I, I did as well. Uh, I did a blanket beer. So oh, that's good. That. That's good. We got well, the beer for the transition going on. Perfect. Well, I guess we'll start with our first one here. Now, Genius, this was your idea mm-hmm. for Scream 3. What did you decide, Beer for Fear? White Claw, where it's it's <laughs> it's bubbly, but it still is like, puts a weird taste in your mouth, and it might, and it's still kind of deadly, you know? Yep. But yeah. also, yep. you're like, I'll buy that. you're like, meh, I can drink something else, you know? <laughs> it gets the yeah. job done. Yep. It's what broad flavor. appeal, it gets the job done. I, yeah, the broad appeal. I, I love yeah. the broad appeal element of that. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Important I, question though: What flavor white cloth? Ooh, <laughs> vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> no Parker Posey flavor. There, it would be like a, a floral go. bouquet. <laughs> it's the raspberry as it is. So ultimately, then, as we transition into the next film, I think I, you should, guys should go ahead and declare yours as we go yeah, into Final so Destination. Good. Sure. I'll start here. Yeah, I got myself. Uh, there's a brewery here in Boise called Mother Earth Brewing Company, just outside of Boise. They have a beer called Syntax, and uh, I picked this for both of these movies. We've talked about kind of both of these movies on our podcast before, and they're both slashers in a way. Final Destination's mm-hmm. like a, the slasher is kind of fate, but it shares many characteristics with a slasher movie. And so I kind of thought that like what's common for all of these like PG-13 teenage slasher movies, it's that. You, you die for, you know, you go out into the woods, you smoke weed, you have sex, you get slashed, you die. You, you pay a sin for your tax, or you pay a tax for your sins. So I thought that the sin tax was kind of a nice one to uh, to encompass both movies in this world of PG-13 slashers. And in the case of Final, Destina- Final Destination, the sin was cheating death. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> wow. So my I went a little bit different direction. I went more in the direction of the White Claw. My beers that I applied to both of these, I went... Budweiser, Bud Heavy, and the main reason for that is because it's obviously a big macro beer that everyone knows, and everyone's heard of it. For sure, everyone's yeah. heard of it. It's easy, it's accessible. You can get it almost everywhere. I mean, when Scream came out, it was on more screens than like any other movie ever. Scream three at that time, so that's one element. And then another is just that I looked back at the year two thousand, and well, what was the most popular beer at the time? It was Budweiser. Shortly thereafter, Bud Light came. Bursting in and overtook, but yeah. There you go. And but you hey. know, like my grandma has heard of Ghostface, my grandma has also heard of Budweiser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> safe choice. I got a Mark, little bit more of a, yeah. I, I got a little bit more of a specific one. So Pipeworks Brewing Company out of Chicago, Illinois, they make one that's a double IPA called Ninja versus Unicorn. Whoa. Okay. Uh, this one goes out. It's two awesome things fighting it out, but they're going to be only one winner, right? So oh. which one's going to be the ninja? Which one's going to be the unicorn? Uh, frankly, I, I have it. no idea which one I want to win, but. There you go. Of, of a ninja or a unicorn, which one would you want to win? I, that's what I'm saying. I have no idea. That you don't know. That's okay. just a fun matchup. I like it. Yeah, you got to step through the bracket, see what happens. I'm totally caught up now in the ninja and unicorn analogy. I'm just, I can't get beyond that. <laughs> I want the unicorn to win because they're more rare. There's thousands I of ninjas. There's yeah. armies of ninjas. But how many armies of unicorns have you heard of? Like her, so... Yeah. Okay, I, I like that genius. Well, Unicorn I guess also I like just takes me back too. to Black Christmas and that wonderful scene. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Anytime we can reference oh, yeah. Barb and her drinking and her encouraging getting of kids snacker. Yes. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I think a perfect pairing for you guys on that side. But ultimately, on Final Destination, it is paired up against Scream Three, and we've given a little bit of love to Scream Three. So I'm curious, then, what are your initial thoughts uh, on Final Destination? Heaps of love. Uh, this, this, 
this franchise is so close to my heart, and Final Destination One is like one of the movies of. I don't really want to call it my childhood, but it like mm. sort of my teenage years to date myself a little bit. Like this was one that would repeatedly just be staring at you again from the video aisles as you're walking along. And yeah, I've seen it seven or eight or nine times, but yeah, I want to watch it again. Yeah, I want to watch <laughs> Billy get his head decapitated by a flying piece of metal from a train. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Every single time. Every single time. Mm-hmm. I s- Similar from my side. I mean, this is a movie that when I think back to that period of time growing up and the ones that you would want to throw on, this is in the short list. We would put this on because it is so much fun to watch. I mean, it's morbid, but it's fun to watch these Rube Goldbergian mechanisms just come (laughs) after all these people. So that was the reason when we were younger why it came on. I think having watched all these movies for this exercise that we do now, there's more to appreciate here than just that. But thinking back, I mean, that's the rewatchability element of it. Oh, yeah, I got nothing to add there. It's, it's just fantastic. Stone Cold Classic. So the ultimate question, who is more dreamy, Devin Sawa or Kerr Smith? It's oh, tough. Shit. Yeah, it's tough. You're asking the real <laughs> questions, man. I <laughs> I, I'm Devin Sawa guy. I'm a Devin Sawa guy, too. Thinking back to the That's era tough. also for, you know, hunks of the era. He's got that, like... Not quite a bowl cut, but it's approaching it. That early 2000s thing. He has it, it going was, on. It, it was really perfect timing. The whole Devin Sawa thing. I mean, yeah. A hint of Fit. frosted tips. Yeah, a hint. Could do it. A dash. Plus, Carter's enough of a douche that in like it kind of hampers his own attractiveness. <laughs> Mark, Some you don't go like for the bad, bad boys. boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go, yeah. I, you know what? I don't like the bad boy. I, I like the nice one. The one that you like you like Devin Sawa in his room with the Goo Goo Dolls poster. Yeah, yeah. The safe bet. That that first scene with him in his room and the Goo Goo Dolls, I, it was just masterful. <laughs> well, it's it like a runaway train. Oh. Uh, that's uh, like... <laughs> that boo that man, boo that man. <laughs> Well, ultimately, you guys kind of talked a little bit about that these films kind of hit you during your teenage years, um, yeah. and you've mentioned Scream 3 is a straight-up slasher, Final Destination not so much, so is this one of those films that did kind of hit you in an unexpected way, ultimately? Were you going in thinking one thing, and then, you know, you totally got a different? You know, when I first saw this, I'd heard that it was like, you know, fate is killing people, and it's a bunch of like, quote-unquote, accidents, so... I think I kind of had it to the extent that's spoiling it a little bit spoiled for me, mm. but it does still kind of, it, it hits you a little bit differently than you're expecting. Cause it is set up to follow a lot of the same tropes of horror movies and then it just doesn't. So yeah. Yeah. I think the other one for me that I can't separate from this and I don't want to get like too real or morbid with it though, is like, I had not, I did not see this movie when it first came out. I saw this movie like I saw scream three a couple of years later. And that is in a post nine 11 world. Yeah. Mm. And the thing that mm. I hear about that movie when I'm that age is there's this plane crash and then like shit gets crazy from there. Right. So you step into that with a totally different mindset. So at least for me personally, my brain wasn't really on whether it was a slasher or something that was kind of like taking the idea of a slasher and and landing it in a different way. I didn't even know about that. So watching the movie unfold from the point in time when Saba leaves the plane and then all those events unfold to, death coming after them fate coming after them to sort of right the wrongs that had happened i didn't know what to expect so it did hit me in a surprising way the first time but it was totally unexpected this was one of those ones where like i went into it sort of expecting it to be a slasher and 
almost the first time I saw it, I was I was like nearing disappointment because of how goofy it was. <laughs> Goofy's not really the right word, but I think you know what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And then something clicked in my brain where I was like, oh, there isn't a masked killer here. There's a nefarious Rube Goldberg machine and a miasma <laughs> of yeah. death, I guess. And something about that where death itself, the Grim Reaper, you don't want to fuck with that Mac Daddy. He is the just the villain behind the whole thing. The villain is invisible, and that makes the slasher aspect of this just get taken to another level. And as soon as that clicked in my brain, I was like, oh shit, this is amazing. I love how the whole series is horror's live-action cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just with with the whole, like, like you said, it's mad cabbery, but it's not fun mad cabbery. It's villainous Mm -hmm. mad cabbery. And the whole Rube Goldberg machines... If you added the dun 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 do 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 to any of the death scenes, yeah, the old Tom and Jerry music, right? It would make it almost Joe Dante presents death. But the fact that it's still it's still fun and mirthful, but so mean spirited, and it balances that line totally. And the other thing that they do that they they leverage it perfectly because in so many of these kills they they zoom in on different things that you think about like when Todd dies and he's shaving his neck or whatever and you're like that oh my one. god that's gonna be something and then it turns out to be totally innocuous and he dies another way like they do that throughout the course of the movie and event- eventually throughout the course of the entire franchise where they zoom in on the things that they know are gonna make you squirm and then they're just right. like total false flags and then they just go yeah. a completely different direction yeah. That kill is interesting, too, because that's the one where you have, like, the water comes out, and then he dies, and it goes back in. It shifts a little from there. Yeah, that but was a little, that, that one, like, kind of fate set stuff in motion. That was like, no, there's a malicious force after It's very, it's, yeah. it's more on the nose than the rest. Like, after that, it's like, you get the idea. Fate's coming for you. And I don't have to show you this, like, whole trap. Well, and we mentioned before that uh, it's this spawned a franchise, and Scream 3 is part of a franchise. We talked a little bit about it, so... Um, your thoughts on the franchise itself, and do you have any particular favorite films? And then, sub-question beyond that, favorite kill from the franchise? Final Destination 3, with a bullet, and from that movie, the one... It's actually, like, a super yeah. short one that doesn't really get its due on on screen, but the one where the girl gets impaled by the American flag. Yes. <laughs> that is so good. Yeah. That is so good. I'm also... I'm. The tanning bed kill oh, that is that's my favorite kill from the whole oh, series. Oh, oh man, it's 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 so. so but good. that's kind of why too, because this series gets more and more ridiculous as it goes. Like yeah. Final Destination, to answer one of the two questions, <clears throat> the original is my favorite of the films. They get more and more ridiculous from there. Yeah, that's to be expected, I would think, to a certain degree. But something about the tanning bed kill in how unlikely or impossible that it is mark and how over the top and weird it is too that's just emblematic of what you see yeah. i think the other thing is too like not to take this off the rails but there <laughs> is the setup disaster in each of these movies too yes. so like yeah. what's the one that you remember for me it's still the plane crash but i mean the, the roller coaster is crazy speaking of off the rails <laughs> like you've got a, an entire cataclysmic event that happens to kick off a sequence of crazy shit in every movie and all of them are so good, right? It's interesting comparing mm. this to the Scream series. Where, oh, fucking yeah. NASCAR crash. NASCAR oh. crash. God. Yeah. But when you compare, like, in Scream, 
they have to continue to write plots and continue to find a way to bring Ghostface or a Ghostface copycat back and yeah. just keep doing it. Whereas Final Destination, you know the stakes right up front. It's just got to be a bunch of teens are about to die yeah. on something. Mm-hmm. And then they don't. There's something about that simplicity, <laughs> right? And then when you're comparing the, the third in the trilogy, as it was for Scream, with the original uh, Final Destination, new IP at that point in time, it's kind of interesting to have the beginning of one franchise and what was at that point the end of another. Mm-hmm. So you're comparing two totally different sides of the timeline there. Absolutely. Well, it also goes back to, well, first to answer the question, um, I think two is my favorite because it has the best mm-hmm. intro death scenes with the truck. And yeah, the truck's crazy. Yeah, and then the the ending when the just it ends on a joke and the boy explodes for no fucking reason. I love it, right? <laughs> but I think my favorite death is it comes in the later of the series with the gymnastics kill. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the folding. Oh, oh. god. Oh, yeah. 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 That you was don't gnarly. It in the way that it no. Is. Yeah, it's great. But going back to like the transition, I think that's what one thing that differentiates differentiate Scream Three between Final Destination is the red herrings, mm-hmm. because. Like, you had, uh, up to then, how do we get more Ghostface and how do we figure it out? And then with the with the aspect of turning to Scooby-Doo, with this one, you know who the fuck is trying to go out and kill you. It's death itself. And just comes yep. up with the elaborate ways. It's like family-friendly Saw. So, like, how... <laughs> how what kind of, like, mechanicians can death kill you with when you least expect it? How many red herrings are there? And that you play your own mind with that, yeah. as opposed to, like... Well, we know it's not cotton, you know, so I, I, I like that aspect of the, the, the not necessarily there's no who done it. Yeah, Final Destination always kind of hits me like a family feud episode where one of the poll questions is something you've pictured yourself dying to. <laughs> Put it on the board. Show me tanning beds. <laughs> show me nail guns yeah. <laughs> that's terrifying now I'm actually just wanting show to have... me drive through windows there you go like <laughs> every everything we do now is, is been uh, prophesized in Final Destination <laughs> movies like there's yep. there's nothing we can't go outside because like a plate glass window might fucking fall out on us you know yeah. so but you can't, can't stay inside either because the water will shock you <laughs> You're not safe anywhere. No. This is a really, it's a tough movie if you have those anxieties. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Well, it's, you know, Genius famously lives his life via a horror film. But I can't with this movie because I can't even be agoraphobic because death will fucking get me then too. So, like, <laughs> this is the one I have to suspend all disbelief for my own mental health. <laughs> yep. Well, so I gotta say something there because, like, that's actually one of the brilliant pieces of this movie individually and the franchise as a whole is that, like, something will eventually resonate with you. I personally mm-hmm. am particularly afraid of flying, and yeah. there is, like, just the beginning of the movie where he's kind of the word, like, the movie's taking time to linger on all of these, like, relatively innocuous things, like, just something saying Final Destination or, like, the departure board saying the word departed or whatever. But, yeah. like, that's also sort of how my brain works when I'm in an airport where I'm like, oh, my God, there's so many bad omens. I'm definitely going to die. <laughs> yep. And it does that for, I mean, yeah, if you're afraid of flying, but also if you're afraid of barbecues or going to the <laughs> dentist or going oh. on a roller coaster. Will, or whatever, any of you, like... will any of you drive behind a logging truck? Oh, definitely. I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> and if I do, I'm far back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you got to stay out of the no zone. We learned that in driving school. <laughs> Stay out of the no zone. 
That's actually now I'm now I'm all I'm imagining is like the the Noid driving it into a no zone. The void the Noid and getting his <laughs> ultimate comeuppance. <laughs> Gets impaled by a pizza. Well, speaking of comeuppance, we have two films vying for a spot here in the round of the Frightful Four. And as mentioned before, they mentioned we're showing our work, and we've got two elements of criteria that we're putting together here. And the first one ultimately is a little bit more abstract, and I ask all of everyone involved here to create a definition or kind of an aesthetic of what horror was like in the year 2000, and then based on that, which of the films better reflects so again, I'm going to point it out here to our guest, uh, gentlemen, who would like to go first. I'll jump in here. I think for me, horror in the 2000s, especially the early 2000s, was that this is such a time capsule thing because it is can be kind of specific and it's it's a, a hint of meta and kind of a broad-based appeal. I know there were a few kind of indie movies coming out at the time, but for the most part, we're talking PG-13, big mm-hmm. budget not necessarily slashers, but big budget, that kind of stuff, movies for teens, which kind of ushered in a whole new era of explosion of horror movies. But when I think of the 2000s, I think of this this particular time capsule of just a hint of meta, uh, a hint of fun, but also, you know, the actors, for the most part, playing it straight. And and so when I look at that, you know, for me, that's, that's my definition. Jake, what about you? I, so... Hold on, though. Based on that, which one wins? Oh, okay. For me, that's that's on that category. That category, it's Final Destination for that one. Done. It's it's a perfect time capsule of the era. It's not. It's just a hint of meta. Yes, a hint of winking, but not too much. And the actors playing it all the way straight in wacky situations. Yeah. So to keep it simple, I kind of tried to think think of two things came to my mind. One was I agree with you. By and large, like this was an era where there were a lot of these high budget, more popcorny. You could hit a wide swath of people type movies coming out and you can't do that without like looking back at i mean scream did a lot of things for the genre there oh, there yeah. are movies that are in the a lot of theaters on a lot of screens because of just how wide the appeal was so that's one element and then another that i thought of was like this is the year 2000 and a movie that's coming out now was being conceived like before you hit that turn of the millennium y2k sort of thing so you have these elements of uncertainty with the world that are in there and that's what i think of when i think of like right around the turn of the millennium and final destination was that perfectly like it was all of these mundane things that are part of your life that you just don't know how things are going to play out really right so to me that's why final destination when i look back at it is like the perfect example of the year 2000 when it comes to horror nice and that's why it wins that category yeah okay mark I actually am surprised how accurate uh, Jack got with what he was saying. I, I was going to say something. Very, <laughs> I was going to say something pretty similar, which is that I think, blind squirrels, Jack. Yeah, I, I think 2000s as a decade was sort of where we stopped going toward the wink, wink, nudge, nudge type of meta humor and started taking things, weird concepts, and taking them more seriously. Mm-hmm. In Final Destination, you have this thing that's like this ephemeral concept of death as a slasher and it be, it's played pretty seriously there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek humor of like whatever the girl says when she steps off the curb and then immediately gets hit by the train <laughs> or like billy's death by flying shrapnel or whatever but overall like the movie as a whole is taken pretty seriously and i think that parlays well into the rest of the decade with other movies like if you think about it saw which came out in like 2004 is another one of those ones it's like a strange concept but t- played absolutely dead seriously uh-huh. and those i mean that's sort of the, the overall concept that i would say is emblematic of the 2000s in my mind mm-hmm. 
Whereas Scream 3 is the just in my like basically the way I'm looking at this is the continuation of a 90s franchise and has the 90s humor and writing built into it. It's still executed to perfection. I actually think I enjoyed Scream 3 a lot more than I was expecting to on revisit. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, that's still more a product of the 90s than it is a product of exactly. the year 2000. Mm-hmm. That is truly showing your work. Yeah. I am beyond impressed with that one. I got the the this, the hairs on the back of my neck on that one. That was glorious. I'm going to have to piggyback on that one um, for two reasons. One, um, Scream 3 looks and feels more 90s. It feels like it has that sequelitis, and it feels like yeah. it has, yeah. I mean, with the 90s indie darlings and the, like, oh, look, it's there from, from the 90s. Remember, kids? Right? Um, while that's not a bad thing and it works, it just doesn't work as well as something like Final Destination. Because as we see, even in a previous one, it's the fear of the unknown. We're in the new millennium. We're in the new... And everybody's afraid of everything now. And I think that's why Final Destination is more of a better fit for a definition of horror in the 2000s. Because you're looking forward to things that you didn't expect could kill you that can kill you now. And so... (laughs) <laughs> we become more afraid of the world around us as the world changes. And so I think for that reason, especially with Y2K and everything, yeah. Final Destination gets it. Yeah, Doomsday Prepping yep. was indeed happening. Um, oh, yeah. I'm thinking along the lines of we really truly didn't get into the changes later into the decade. So in 2000, I think we still had a lot of piggybacking from the 80s and 90s. But ultimately for me, it comes down to something old and something new. Because we've kind of touched upon it. Both of these films are slashers. And let's face it, even in today's environment, we're still going to get slashing movies that are slashers. They're taking you know, the formula. But with both of these films, only one of them is giving... They're taking a familiar you know, route, but giving us something new. And with Final Destination, again, he is the ultimate Mac Daddy. He's not Tony Todd, but he's close. Death itself is the ultimate slasher. And for me, ultimately... Yeah. Final Destination gets my vote on that. But from that, we are now going to ask the fact that here in 2020, we're talking about these two films. We're still talking about these two films, for better or worse. So the question is, which film, Scream 3 or Final Destination, are we still talking 20 years later? Throw it out to you guys. All right. I'll I'll jump in here. (laughs) This is a tough, tough criteria for me to think about. But ultimately, what it came down to for me is... One thing we talked about that was so strong with Final Destination is they created this idea where you have a disaster at the start of the movie and then, you know, wacky death, hijinks, crazy, (laughs) crazy stuff going on for the rest of the movie. And it's just, you know, slot and play. It's just plug and play with that concept. And it's a fantastic concept and they execute it on it super well. But ultimately, there is so much of the deaths in the Final Destination franchise that I don't know which movie they're from. I just know they're one of those Final Destination deaths uh, that ultimately I think it, it it's kind of a victim of its own success in that regard. Whereas Scream 3, I think, is a very, very unique piece, especially from a filmmaking perspective of like kind of a lot of people see it as the downfall of the franchise when one and two were so strong and had a cohesive view three then comes in we can look at it in terms of some mistakes were made but ultimately they still made a very successful movie and were able to bring it back with scream four Mm -hmm. and finish the trilogy finish the trilogy (laughs) quote unquote i think that scream three is going to be the more discussed movie 20 years from Interesting. now. Interesting. As wow. opposed to just one of those Final Destination movies. And even Man, though it's important, we'll you, you need that first one. Hmm. I think it's Scream 3 here. It is a bold take. I appreciate it. I disagree. But it's <laughs> here's what it came down to for me. If this is, I love this question 
that we were posed in. The reason why is if I had to think about which franchise I am going to be talking about and I think that is going to be talked about more frequently tw 20 years from now, I have a different answer than when I think about this that specific movie. And the new IP, everything that we talked about that you just said, Jack, is what is keeping me on the Final Destination train here. Because with Scream, it is a Scream movie. Everyone's going to immediately know what you're talking about. But it's the third and probably between those first three, like the least talked about one. So my least favorite. I've got to give it to Final Destination. Bring it down to Mark. You guys have covered all of the ground I wanted to at this point. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think Jake got it right. If we're talking franchises, based off the current trajectory, Scream is going to just keep putting one out every decade. So as a franchise, we're probably going to keep talking about Scream for another 20 years. But I don't know how big a part of the conversation Scream 3 is going to be, aside from people like me who decide to go back and watch each one sequentially in chronological order. Uh, but Final Destination... Uh, you know, at least that's sort of the Helena Troy of the situation, right? That's the face that yeah. launched a thousand ships that created a franchise. And I think there are some plans to bring it back with a Final Destination 6 or 7 or whatever number they're on now. I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not, but I, I think ultimately Final Destination is the one that, that sowed the seed. It's the one that created the franchise. So if we're going to be talking about any specific movie, not necessarily just a franchise yeah. in 20 years, it has to be the one that started it. Exactly, exactly. We're talking about the start of a, a unique franchise yeah. versus a sequel that has superior sequels to it in the in the in the in the franchise of it, at least in my opinion. Um, yeah. So no matter how, if you backwards engineer, even if you don't, again, going back to like, let's talk about horror classes in 101, Final Destination is going to have its own chapter in the book. In the Scream chapter, part three is going to be a blurb. So yeah. <laughs> I got to go with Final Destination. Yep. And uh, you know what? I Man, I was going to ride the coattails of every single one of you there. But there's something that really kind of caught my mind is ultimately with every franchise, there's the, the black sheep of the family. You know, for Nightmare, <laughs> you, you got Nightmare is part two. Uh, Friday the 13th is part five. Uh, Halloween, it, it was part three. But it takes a few years, and I think ultimately those black sheep ultimately find a rabid audience, and they will be these true and tried defenders. Because back probably 10, 15 years ago, you couldn't find a lot of people that really enjoyed Halloween 3, much less defend it, as some people I know will do as the best of the franchise. But now, you do. Um, there are some people out there, myself included, that really champion part two of Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm not saying it's better than the original, but I, you know, fervently, you know, defend it. And, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago, people wouldn't, but now they do. I think ultimately in the cycle of this, Scream 3 will have its renaissance. It'll have, and it may, it, may take, it may take 20 years from now, potentially. <laughs> but I, it's, yes, oh, Sawa is family. Sawa is family. That goes back to Jill Gavargazion. Make sure to give her proper credit for that. But I think ultimately... You'll again. We're going to be talking about both of these franchises. We're going to have arguments about the best entry of the franchise, the worst entry of the franchise, or the most underrated entry of a franchise. I think eventually Scream Three will find some legs, but quite honestly, it does not matter because by a count of two, four, six, eight to two, you can't cheat death. No, you cannot. And call it call it serendipity, call it destiny, call it fate. But Final Destination is making its way into the round of the frightful four. 
and we could not have gotten there without the help of our friends from the A to Z Horrorcast. You guys, thank you so much, man, for taking the time to do this. This is so greatly appreciated. Hey, thanks for hey, thanks having so us. That was a blast. Yeah. No, it, a ton of fun. yeah, no, this is always good. So again, uh, where can our listeners find you out on the social media? Where can they find the show out so they can start putting this in their regular rotation? Yeah, absolutely. Like we said, A to Z Horror, A-T-O-Z Horror on Twitter, uh, something like that on Instagram. I might not actually know where it's <laughs> You'll be able to find it with either. Yeah, you'll be able to find it with either if you're looking at A to Z Yeah, horror. or if you just Google A to Z Horror, A to yeah. Z Horror cast, we'll pop up. Yeah, and, and you know, as far as the podcast is concerned, any of the podcasting apps that you choose to use, you can search it and it'll be there. Perfect. Again, I'll throw it, one other thing out there, oh. which is that at the beginning of every month on the horror subreddit, we usually post our uh, horror release roundup. Uh, people seem to like it, so if you're wanting to know what's coming out in the future months of uh, of the year 2020, you know, tune into the horror subreddit. Look for us, azhorror.com. Uh, we post there. Perfect, man. That's nice. I, I like the fact that you were reaching out like that. And as the socially awkward introvert, introvert of the group, I appreciate those kind of efforts there. <laughs> so what film from 2010 is going to be joining Friday the 13th, Gremlins 2, and Final Destination in the round of the Frightful Four? Ooh. We've got our final week of madness up ahead. Oh, man. If it comes down to Gremlins 2 versus Final Destinations, cartoon versus cartoon. Ooh, that's quite good. Yep. That's quite good. So uh, the new episode will release on the Monday, the 23rd. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. In the year 2000. In the year 2000.